It's a sled. He's dead. The box contains his wife's head. Vader's his father. They're allergic to water. She's his sister and her daughter. You watched it wrong. Hello and welcome. My name is Wade. And I am Sigmund. And you are listening to the very first episode of the You Watched It Wrong podcast, also known as You Watched It Wrong. <laughs> in the in the panoply of said it wrong. Uh, genres of podcast, I would classify this as a hangout podcast where mm-hmm. Wade and I agree to watch something and then to discuss and find out what else we might have agreed on. And so for our first episode, we are going to be discussing the film Rogue One, a Star Wars story, a fitting subject for our first episode. Yes, because like Rogue One, uh, our podcast is a Star Wars story. <laughs> yes, we are canonical. We are in the canon. And, uh, the you know, our, as our theme song might have uh, indicated, this will be a spoiler-rich show. We're... Have, we're talking about what we've seen, and so if you haven't seen it yet, you're going to hear about things you haven't seen yet. If that's a problem for you, go out and see it, or enjoy one of the other thousands of podcasts that are available to you. Yes, manage your entertainment on that level, because I'm sure there's a podcast out there that has not seen the particular form of entertainment that we are discussing here. And if they have, they might have the good sense not to discuss it like we will. Let's pray. Let's pray. That that is so. Let's try an abbreviated version of that. Just real quick. (laughs) I I think we explained a lot more than needs explaining. Yeah, does not need that much explanation. (laughs) Is this your very first podcast (laughs) that you've ever listened to? Let's explain how the whole genre works. It's like... It's more of still, a format, really. Still doing the voicemail intro, still explaining how it works. <laughs> this is a recording. I am not me. Or a tone. You have to Do come... not be alarmed. It's <laughs> not a malfunction. This is not the emergency broadcast system interrupting your phone call. While you are hearing the sound of my voice, it is not me. Yet you have reached me. When I listen to this, your voice will have reached me, but it's not your voice talking right now. It's mine. But it's not me. Is there a beep anymore? I think there is. little context. This uh, recording was done in January of 2017. The movie had been out for about a month. It was released December 15th. Was it December 15th or December 12th? This is the kind of accuracy you're going to get on this podcast, just so you know. <laughs> That is true. It does not matter. But it's been out for about a month. Uh, and let's go to that conversation right now. Let's. You want to do, do it again? No. <laughs> but first, even more spoiler warnings. That's right. Apart from Rogue One, the following TV shows and movies are also discussed with their key plot points and endings revealed. And those films are 
Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. Star Wars Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Not a lot of Jedi talk in this, folks. Also, 2014's Godzilla, Captain America's Civil War, The Guardians of the Galaxy, Netflix's Daredevil Season 2, and Jessica Jones Season 1, and Luke Cage Season 1. Now let's get a talking. So, movie number one. Rogue One. A Star Wars story. Now, being dads, we don't really have a lot of time to rush out and see things, even the things that we really desperate to see. How soon after it came out did you go see it? Are you asking me how I watched it? Because I was going to ask you, how did you watch it? How did I watch it? I asked you first. Okay. Um... <laughs> So, uh, so I wanted to take the whole family to see it, but um, the the film Rogue One, which we were all excited to see, uh, you know, it, it kind of had a reputation for being the uh, darkest, most intense of the of the Star Wars movies. Um, you know, this isn't uh, this isn't a regular Star Wars movie. This is more like a war movie. And this so, ain't your uh, daddy's Star Wars movie. Yeah, right. So, you know, having, uh, you know, I've got a nine-year-old and six-year-old twin boys. Um, I thought, well, I still haven't even showed them episode three yet just because I thought that was uh, a little too uh, intense for them. Uh, so uh, the wife and I agreed uh, I would go check out the movie myself. Uh, so I saw it with a friend, uh, got out of work early. It was uh, my last day of work before uh, the Christmas vacation. Uh, and uh, I said at lunch, uh, I'm leaving. Bye. Um, and went and saw the movie and saw it with uh, my friend Jason. And uh, and it was cool. It checked out. And so a few days later, saw it again with the whole family because um, it just seemed it seemed like it would disappoint them if I didn't see it again. And and I'll be <laughs> honest. Like, it's good. Go ahead. <laughs> and I'll, I'll be honest. I, I didn't feel like super compelled to see it a second time that soon oh. so i was a little like i would have rather gone and seen a different movie that day <laughs> but uh um i felt it i should be part of the family experience so uh, I, okay. I saw it a second time so i've seen it twice in the theater within a oh. span of a few days how about yourself wade uh thanks for asking i saw how it. did you watch it i watched it with my lovely bride we saw it um I think two and a half weeks after it had come out, because uh, oh, that's when my uh, my 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 lovely mother came to uh, to ba to stay with us for a bit. So we actually had a in house babysitter for a night. That was nice. But yeah, and we you know, we enjoyed it very much. We saw it. You know, we um, it, you know, it's infused by the fact that we got to get out, so that always makes things better. <laughs> but that's right, um, it's kind of like adds. Uh champagne bubbles to yeah it really does experience we're out we're out we can we we can speak to each other it's nice um and in did the, you have dinner beforehand um the, i don't think we did i think we just went out and saw it and came back yeah that's all right that's okay yeah. you'll but, have time to talk about it once uh the little one is asleep <laughs> so but, did did your son know you went and saw the star wars movie without him no did we usually don't well okay let me tell you well no, I didn't have to keep that a secret, but we still did. The thing is, is that um, my son is six. We probably tried to show him Star Wars a little too early, 
I wanted to, we both wanted to wait a really long time. And then we ended up being kind of like, well, I think this kid needs to know about good and evil. <laughs> so maybe that'll help. And so we tried to show and it to him. And hopefully he'll be attracted to the correct. To the correct one. part. Right. Exactly. Uh, but he will not sit through it. He will not. It's like pulling teeth. When the popcorn's gone, he's out. Or the whatever snack we have, he's like, stop it. I don't want to watch this. Wait, so which episode did you, have you tried to show him? The uh, New Hope. And he's like, these he's, like, he's like, special effects are like so outdated, Dad. No, like he, just, he, he doesn't want to. But to be fair, he does not want to watch any movie. He only want to watch. He only wants to watch YouTube clips, and that's it. I mean, not clips, but like uh, user-generated content. Usually, he wants to watch other people play video games. It's a little disappointing, yeah. but like the, but like, yeah, he does not want. He doesn't care a lick about Star Wars. He knows about it. He, the kids at school talk about it a lot, but he doesn't. He doesn't really care. There are people out there who don't care for Star Wars. Oh yeah, you know. Oh yeah, and that's fine. What gets me is that I can't even get him. Like I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's if it's Star Wars, or if it's just that I want him to watch a movie. I think it's what it is. Ah, uh, I had that experience. I tried to show my nephew uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. He was playing. This is like. This is in the '90s, so he's playing some like Shockwave, uh, <laughs> browser game with like some mm-hmm. super cheesy. You know, two button, uh, stupid game. Uh, we're at my parents. I'm like, come on! I got. Uh, I just got for Christmas. I got the Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, DVD. Let's pop it in. You got to see this movie. And he's like, uh, I want to play this Shockwave game. I'm like, no, no, come on! And so, like, I was like, if I just get you to watch the first five minutes, you'll be hooked, right? Because right. that whole intro section in the temple, and uh, <laughs> and so we, that section's over, and he just turns to me and says, "Can I go play my game now?" And I'm like. Uh, are you of my blood? Like <laughs> this kid has no taste. Now he has excellent taste. So right. he's now he's a now he's a man. Uh, well, he's got to find that thing on your on their own. I mean, that's kind of part of it. That you know, the the one of the biggest uh, tragedy. Well, I'm I'm not tragedies. One of the things that I'm quite sad about is that I don't think I'm going to be able. And I should have known this to take, you know, I'm not going to be able to take my son on a cinematic education or joy or experience all these things and like, you know, curate this kind of wonderful thing for him because he's going to want to from dad. <laughs> no. In fact, I mean, I remember I actually have been debating myself one day. I go, boy, I, I, I go, I cannot, I don't think I should share with him like Evil Dead 2. At any point. In well, his not life. yet. <laughs> no, like at any point in his life, because it's like, because I go, I don't think that should come sanctioned from dad. You know what I mean? Right. That should be an act of rebellion. That's somehow. something you find yeah. to discover on your own. But then you're like, well, I don't want you to find and discover like human centipede. I want you to find and discover, you know, evil dead, evil too. dead too. Yeah. Yeah. And so I like, I always liked what you said about um, the Daily Show book when it came out. And you were, and it had all, you know, the, the first one, the first America, one. America. I'm oh, sorry. Thank you. America, the book. And you'd said, this is a book I'm going to buy and I'm going to put on my shelf and I'm never going to mention it. And my kids are going to sneak it down and they're going to look at the naked Supreme Court justice pictures <laughs> and they're going to laugh. And that's what they're going to sneak it down for. But then they're going to read the other stuff. 
and they're going to learn. And I'm like, and I'm never going to mention it. I'm not going to, you know, I, I always thought, yeah, that's, that's actually probably the way to do it. Thank you for reminding me that I said that. That's a great idea. <laughs> I'd totally forgotten. It is up. It's up on a high shelf right now, too. I'm looking at uh, my bookcase. <laughs> but yeah, right so below the uh, like underworld uh, comic book. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, I can't. I can't. Uh... I mean, yeah, I'm going to put top. If I was someone who kept pornography, I would just be like, I want to put Thomas Paine's common sense in there in the sock drawer with the pornography. Well, I've, have I told you the story about my neighbor growing up? Like two doors down, there were the, the Gunthers. No, I haven't heard of And uh, Ray, um, who was this incredibly, um, <laughs> this kid was like no impulse control. Like we would be out in the woods, you know, um, and uh, my friend Tom, who was a Boy Scout, he like he'd light a fire, and uh, we'd always be sitting around and you know like burning sticks for fun. But <laughs> burning sticks was the best. Yeah, it really was. It was. It was awesome. <laughs> I needed just like, but we were keeping the fire contained. Um, but there was always like trash and stuff strewn around because all sorts of kids like that was like a hangout spot where you could do things unobserved. Uh, and then Ray would. <laughs> Say, uh, you know, we were sitting with our backs to the fire or something. So, hey, guys, remember that uh, can of aerosol we found a few? Uh, and you're like, yeah. And you're like, I threw it in the fire five minutes ago. <laughs> oh, and then we'd all run away and it exploded. Um, or, you know, like he would just, you'd just be having a good time with them with BB guns. And then he would just turn and like shoot your friend through the arm and then run away. Like he just had no. No impulse control. He was kind of, it's kind of wild. Kind of. Um, anyway. <laughs> so um, there, his, uh, his, his stepfather was uh, a very strict guy, very nice guy, but very strict, had very strict rules. Um, and he had this uh, locked cabinet in, in the home. And it was like Ray's mission to get inside this locked cabinet because he mm -hmm. just knew there was porn in there, right? Yeah. Or something good. And... Uh, so he searched the house and he found the key. Like he figured out, he found the key somehow. I don't know how. And so he was just waiting for the night. We're like in middle school. We're like a junior high at this point. He's waiting for the night where his parents will be out of the house so he can get into that cabinet now that he knows he can. And so he's like telling us like, tonight, tonight they're going out. So tonight I'm going in the cabinet. I'm going to see what's in there. <laughs> and so we're all waiting too, you know, like, yeah, yeah, go right, go. So when he reports back, he's like, guys, I got in the cabinet and there was this tape called Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> and so I snuck it to the stereo and like was listening on headphones. It's like all this crazy shit. <laughs> so we thought it was, you know, we didn't know anything. We thought it was like this forbidden fruit, like this thing. <laughs> like, oh, I got to listen to that. <laughs> was that. Do you think that was the dad's on purpose? I have cabinet? to assume it was like this act of genius on his part. Because, yeah, I mean, it had to have been, right? Like, right. it had to be the whole plan. Now that I, I'm a fellow adult and I see him, I could ask him this question. It seems <laughs> I'd be betraying, <laughs> betraying uh, 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 Ray. <laughs> do, do you think you'd be like, what? And then run over to Ray's house. Yeah. <laughs> that was first edition, first printing. <laughs> cassette 
<laughs> well, yeah, we don't really. Did you ever find out? Did Ray ever mention what he did? It to was it? when they first invented Dolby sound noise reduction on <laughs> audio tape. Uh, so I, I've always thought like I need that locked cabinet. Yeah, and I'll have like Leonard Cohen albums and like T. S. Eliot poetry or something. You know, right? But you know, I should have America the book. Yeah, by the staff of the Daily Show, circa two thousand three, something like that. I got it over here, sitting next to me as well. Yeah, I don't know what I what would I put in my locked cabinet to pique my son's interest. I'm going to have to think about that. But I do, I, I, I tangentially, um, <laughs> so, um, you know, with everything being on the phone, with reading materials and whatnot, I don't really keep a lot of stuff reading material. Because I, I, you know, like every guy, I read a lot. I used to read a lot in the can. And, uh, uh, the other day, before so, you got a smartphone, is that yeah, like, before I got a smartphone, right. used to and now you now I just now tweet. Now I, well, no, just yeah, exactly. So like the president, like the president, I don't do much Twitter. I don't. I don't know why. I think I just got. I only signed up for Twitter to make sure I didn't miss out on comedy tickets because they'd always sell out <laughs> like instantly. But then I never went out. Never really went out anyway, so it doesn't matter. Anywho, um, so. When I moved in with my uh, wife, um, we were here, and uh, I would sometimes stuff a couple of things under the bathroom cabinet in case you know my battery ran out, and I'd be stuck. And what do I do? I didn't want it to turn into Lord of the Flies in the the bathroom. I didn't want to go into panic, and so uh, I would stick some of these things in there. Uh, often clippings my mom had sent me that I never read, or whatever, and. Um, <laughs> So Carrie's one day is loading things up, like 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 restocking the, 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 the bathroom supplies and toiletries and whatnot. And she looks in there and she sees these papers like stuffed back there. And she's like, oh, I've done it. I found Wade's porn stash. <laughs> and then she pulls it out and it's a playbill for My Fair Lady. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just saying... She just started laughing. She's like, yeah, of course it is. That's so quaint to think that, that she would think you would still have paper porn. It's very, she's a very sweet woman. She's an adorable lady. So, uh, anywho, but, um, but yeah. What so, Rogue. Rogue one. one. Oh, wait. Are there, you, do you have more to say that was uh, not at all related to the subject of our podcast? No, but it was getting further, more and more amusing the further we got away from the title of our episode <laughs> that I, I, I was just thinking if I could keep that ball rolling for as long as possible. Um, uh, okay. So Rogue One. So Rogue One. Impressions. Impressions. Give me a, throw out an impression. I will say. I've done, I've done like almost no reading about this movie because mm-hmm. I... Uh, I, I only read about uh, politics these days. Um, <laughs> so we can. Nothing else really seems to matter uh, <laughs> to me. So, uh, uh, but so going, I'm so I have like only like naively formed impressions. Uh, but tell me yours. You've probably uh, know a lot more about the maybe maybe not background I mean, of this film than me. Um, I enjoyed it immensely. And I have since come to, in further reflection and discussions with people, 
have found, yes, there are things that felt like first draft mistakes. There are things that aren't maybe up to par with this or that, but kind of like Captain America Civil War in a way, I, I, I don't, it doesn't bother me. Like I still really enjoyed it. Like, um, but your comparison with Captain America Civil War is that it also felt first drafty. Oh no no no! I take that back. No no no. Well no, it it's different because Captain America Civil War had a does have some large plot holes uh, or some things that just like like take not not no take that back. <laughs> so things about the plot that just don't make sense. Right. Well, and I'm and with like, you there. And and Spider Man and Ant Man are so clumsily shoehorned into the movie. But they're also some of my favorite parts about the movie, so I don't care. And Spider-Man's clearly on the wrong side. Like right. Spider- <laughs> well, that, well, that's Spider-Man what... in the movie articulates the Captain America point of view. Well, no, but I actually find that very fascinating. And that's, I mean, you can go in and make the argument where, you know, really, as, as it boils down, what happens at the end of the movie? Winter Soldier is put in captivity and is not conscious, which is what Tony Stark had wanted the whole time. You know, so like really they were basically fighting for variations on the same theme, just who was going to control, you know, that it was going to get out of their control. Most fights are for control. Exactly. Probably. And I, I find, and the more I watch Captain America Civil War, and I have watched it a lot, the more I've watched it, the more I laugh because... The moment the movie was over, I was immediately sad I didn't have it on Blu-ray. Like, I was immediately sad I couldn't go home and watch it, like, that instant. <laughs> um, the more I watch it, the less clumsy the move, the script feels. The more I watch it, the more amazing the, the scene work is and how much thought had to go into every little thing. And so, you know while there are some glaring like weird like well that <laughs> that's really clumsy um there's also a lot to marvel in it um whereas rogue one on the other hand was like there's a lot of things that like well that's not really the quality of a good movie or a good screenplay <laughs> but it never it never felt like it really like i can sit here and pick apart a bunch of stuff like weird behavior like it bothered me that Forrest Whitaker like when the as soon as that that blast hits down he's like eh no I don't need to fight to live go ahead yeah right <laughs> it wasn't his whole right. he was just suddenly like, eh, he didn't even struggle with it just eh that's okay I can die go on ahead I'm not gonna run with these feet <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna make it yeah I, I, guess what I don't know what the threat is I don't know the context of what's actually killing everyone outside or if it's going to kill everybody outside, but I'm good. Go ahead. Just get out of here. Right. I'll die here. It didn't make any and sense. Like, in a scene with, uh, and am I getting the name right, Jin Orso? I believe so. That was, that was one well, of Well, we're going to get hammered for that if we don't. Well, I mean, that was Jin one of my... Jin Orso. That was one of my Urso. things with the movie is, um, is I couldn't ever remember any of the characters' names. Hmm. In fact, the droid, the uh, the Marvin, yeah. the paranoid android. <laughs> the Voiced by droid, the amazing Alan I, Tudyk. I keep calling him KRS-One. Right. So, yeah. I call him KCRW for quite some time. But like, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, it's not catchy. 
I mean, but maybe that's by design because these are like the forgotten heroes of uh, yeah. of the rebellion. You know, like they're not they're, they're right. not in the main saga for a reason. Like they, right. Well, that was a very fascinating thing of going into this movie was that and I'm not reading much about it, but I am going. Well, I already know because they've already said not only in the opening crawl. You know that they there succeed. is no opening crawl. Oh, no, there is no. Um, yeah, but no, I, I meant you're right. That this was the biggest surprise of the movie. Yeah, no opening crawl. Well, it's not an official. It's not in the. It's in the canon, but it's not in the lineage of episode. That's what it's called—a Star Wars story. It's not in the Star Wars series. But I didn't. Right. So I learned in the first few seconds of the movie that that meant you don't get an opening crawl. Right. Or John Williams score, the first Star Wars related movie to not get a John Williams score. Yeah, although there were like touches, there were touches of oh, yeah. it in there. Well, how could it not be? Uh, but yeah, so I guess, I mean, maybe, I mean, what we're watching would have been embedded in the crawl of a, a Star Wars saga, right? Film, and it was yeah, because what we right? were watching was saying, you know, rebels, rebel spies stole the plans. For the Death Star, and then in the in it's like then, we've zoomed into the crawl, and now right. we're those words. And then later in the in the movie, they said a bunch of rebels lost their lives. I believe they say. Uh, so, they say uh, what is the line? Many something uh, many, suffered. What does Mon Mothma say? Yeah, you know, I should have looked that up before I got here because I've had it in my mind that they uh, that they said that they all that they lost their lives. And so the assumption was was that everybody I knew pretty much at least all, most to all were going to die, and I was really looking forward to seeing you know. But I also at the same time was surprised that they actually followed through with that, because what movie major movie like that follows through with something like that? And and I, I had the feeling going into it where I was going you know, the the only reason to what is this movie really going to be about? Why would they make this movie other than just to sell some tickets? I mean, if you go into it saying, okay, we're going to tell the story about how these spies got the plans and pretty much everyone's going to die. Why would we tell that? To basically tell a story about how giving your life is, is giving your life for something is incredibly important. Even if it's just to an, it's that it's, I'm sorry. It's the, it's the beauty and the pain and the terribleness and the valor of dying for an incremental step in a larger battle in a larger cause. And like, this yeah. is like, this is like the third or fourth step in a hundred step process in battling the empire. And you're going to give your life to the third or fourth step. And you know, and like, and how important each one of these increments is, are. And so, yeah, if that, if, if, and that's a really important thing to talk about because like, you know, whenever we get a politic, whenever you vote in a politician and they don't make unicorns fly out of everybody's asses on month three, people should die. People should die. <laughs> and everyone's like, like, I think Grr! that's a reason to make a Star Wars movie. Yes. <laughs> it's a good point. I mean, that's an audacious statement, but I. I've never heard anyone articulate that before. Well, you did put that last part in my mouth. <laughs> you know, okay. They're sitting in the boardroom at Disney and, or Lucasfilm, and they're like, okay, why are we making this movie again? 
<laughs> well, to make money, obviously. But why else? Hmm. <laughs> to inspire people to die. <laughs> That's what people have been doing forever. This is... <laughs> we have to inspire people to die for a cause that they're not going to benefit from after their death. But yeah, I mean, really, seriously, that's what this story would be. Well, cause there are, or, or because your dad would want you to. No, because your dad would want you to. <laughs> okay. That's another take. Okay. So, uh, uh, takeaways from the movie, no opening crawl. Um, and then we get the, um, jumping right onto the planet with, uh, young Jen Urso, mm-hmm. Right. And uh, and her whole deal, which is very similar to Ray's yeah. situation on Tatooine, right? She's on Tatooine, right? I'm just Desert thinking, Planet. I don't know. I can't remember. Have you had any desire to see Force Awakens again after you saw it? I have. You have? I've only seen it the one time, and I've never felt the need to see it again. Oh, okay. We might... Uh... All right. Well, well, let's get back to that. Okay. Let's put a... Um... But uh, so this little girl, you know, we see in the flashback in Force Awakens that Jen, uh, <laughs> that Ray, um, you know, as a little girl was like, we get the some we see, you know, she's a little girl. Some spaceships flying away. Uh, we we can fill in the blanks uh, that those are her parents, and that's how she's abandoned on the planet. And here Jakku, we see this little girl, the planet Jakku, I believe. Jakku, it's another desert. Why Jakku is Jakku and not Tatooine? Although these are old speculation questions, never mind. That's fine. That's I'm glad that you you say that because it always bothers me. Like in the Clone Wars uh, TV show or anything, I mean, you know, Tatooine is supposed to be like. There's a what is Luke's line in uh, uh, the planet the farthest from? Yeah, like if there's a bright center of the galaxy, this is the planet farthest from it. Like it's supposed to be like just way out in the middle of nowhere. It's like the boonies, but then. They keep returning to it as like this pivotal <laughs> location well, in the Star Wars galaxy where, well, like if you want to get anything done, you got to deal with Jabba the Hutt. So <laughs> true. It's a so let's stop by Tatooine and but you know, it's like our, we always do. It's our it's our anchor point. It's the first place we saw, the first planet we saw. It's it's kind of our not only the viewers anchor for the whole Star Wars universe. You could say the entire universe does revolve around Tatooine from our perspective. Well, so our emotional universe can, but like the Empire having no. <laughs> yeah, right. dealings with their, you know, like there's this new um, Star Wars comic book series. Um, we got it from the, the public library and it's, it's excellent. It's incredibly, it, it's telling the story like right before, um, no, right after episode four. So it's between episodes four and five. So, like, one of the subplots is uh, Han and Leia, like, searching for a, the new location for the, the rebel base. Okay. So, like, you can tell, like, in the course of the story, they're going to f- find Hoth, and that's how they choose to use Hoth as a base. Okay. Um, and it, it's really excellent. I, I really recommend it. It's extremely entertaining. It uh, really feels like uh, a rollicking adventure in the Star Wars saga style. Um, it's very wittily written. But it does have one of the plot elements is that the Empire, because um, the Death Star has been destroyed and they lost all these resources, that they need to uh, bargain with Jabba the Hutt, among others, presumably, right. uh, to get 
you know, more resources to rebuild the Death Star or, or do whatever it is they need to do to restock their fleet. Um, and so I, it just like feels wrong that the storylines, the main storyline where the Empire is concerned keeps returning to Tatooine because, yeah. Well, because it's, you know, it's supposed to be strategically obscure. Right. But <laughs> in terms of like the, the ethos of, or the mythos of, uh, of Star Wars. But that the viewership or the fanship know and love it, so they're going to want to go there. And that's so have what it seems a. Like. Yeah. So, I mean, so just don't have Darth Vader going there, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, I guess he was born there, so maybe right. he would know Jabba the Hutt. Okay. All right. I'll There's allow some... it. <laughs> But watch yourself, McCoy. Um, what was the... So I, I was making a point. Okay. Yeah, so, you're making oh. a point. I didn't want to know. So we're on, uh, we're on uh, Jin Urso's. We're back to Rogue One. Gotcha. We're on Jin Urso's uh, planet. She's a little girl. And I honestly thought because she had the same accent or a similar accent as, as Ray's, I'm like, is this Ray? Is, is a little girl? Like, are we going to see where she mm. loses her parents? Um. It was pretty kind of a dumb thought, but it you know it it paralleled it pretty closely. Pretty closely. Uh, I mean, they 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 there was a lot of fan speculation when the trailers came out that because Felicity Jones and Daisy Ridley look have similar features, that is Jen Erso going to be the mother of Ray and uh, like drop that drops her off on the planet? But there's nothing really to do that because she she died and. <laughs> yeah, and it, the timeline is totally wrong exactly. too. Although I didn't, well, I didn't know where we were in the timeline at that point. You know. Oh really? Um, well, how would I? I mean, just well, I, I that's right. I jump guess... into this like farm field on right. an alien planet, and you know, there's no. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, that, I, I guess I knew. I knew. I strongly suspected, if not knew, and then I guess later had confirmed by a friend of mine that um, the movie was going to dovetail directly into the first scene of new, a new hope so like that was I, cool i didn't i, I, I knew didn't, that going in i hadn't thought that much about it um which to me that, makes it kind like of that. to me makes it look kind of crazy that it's not considered one of the series you know that it's not episode 3.5 or whatever yeah. because well, it's just it's totally different is the yeah. main thing right Right. It does make it hard. Going right into the first scene of episode four was cool. It does make it hard to justify that they're on a diplomatic mission since <laughs> we just saw you fly away from... From a battle where all these people are being... <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's right. Now, the thing is, is that... Now that, that I don't want to get ahead of myself because we were talking about something else, but that in scene with... Uh, uh, my my wife brought up a really good point. She said uh, we were talking talking about the Vader fight scene. We we're talking about Darth Vader in general in the Vader, who I didn't think was yeah. going to be in it as much um, as he was. Yeah, I thought it'd just be a little cameo. Yeah, like that one scene that was I mean, it. I guess it was two little cameos. It was two little cameos. However, the interesting thing is is that well, one I, I thought they did a fantastic job of doing a Darth Vader fight scene. That was frightening, athletic, believable, but yet didn't make him do the the Yoda flips. 
you know? <laughs> like in Attack of the Clones where Yoda's suddenly doing these crazy Sonic the Hedgehog type moves. <laughs> where I mean like basically whereas before, you know, you had you had you had David Prowse and Alec Guinness, you had a guy in the first movie doing a sword fight in a helmet in a costume where he couldn't turn his neck or move. And then an older gentleman who was very stiff limbed, two hands on the lightsaber at all times. And you got two people who are trying to not hurt each other, but also try to connect the swords because they both can't, he can't see very well. And so, and it's a, you know, looking back on it, I was watching that scene again and realizing that it's surprisingly well edited because they didn't have much. You look at it and you're like, they, they don't have much to make that movie, that fight scene exciting. And it was always kind of riveting as a kid. It was just, it was really the novelty of the lightsaber itself. Right, exactly. That was really yeah. all of it. And the sound like, effects being. Uh, right. Ben Burt made it. Really. Amazing. Yeah. So like um, what I liked to see was I liked seeing Darth Vader fight in the way that we've always wanted to see him earn up to that reputation that he has as being the, the, the baddest guy in the whole galaxy. But yet he still kind of has that stiffness to him inherent in him being a part machine part decimated man and so i was really impressed with that the thing that did feel uh that they could have worked on more and this is what uh this is what my wife who um uh really really liked the movie um see she just said you know my only real complaint is that we know we don't get to see the pressure that darth vader's under when you see when you watch someone fight, you want to know what their stakes are. And in this movie, he's the top of the chain. I mean, we can think of the larger context. He's got the emperor above him. We never hear about the emperor in this. And so, you know, Kranich goes to Darth Vader, and Darth Vader appears to be the top of the chain. And then when he comes in, he's just kind of you know cleaning house and doing the job. Whereas, you know, when you see somebody fight, you want to see what they're up against. And we don't really know what he's up against. Because he's because he's, he's just he's just slaughtering him. He's not up against anything at that that's point. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it's not that scene's not told from his point of view. It's from the soldiers. It's from the soldiers, view. which is beautiful. And by the way, uh, okay, quick detour. One of my favorite shots in all cinema history, the one that gets me really moving, is from the first Star Wars movies in that opening sequence, in the blockade sequence. It's pretty much after Darth Vader comes in, and uh, or no. I don't know, but there's a, a you know the it's everything. It's music. It's the the, the basically the stormtroopers blast the thing. Uh, you know the rebels are getting pushed back down the corridor, and the yeah. the the smoke fills the 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 corridor, and you just kind of see lasers in the background. Then it dissolves to an empty hallway, and the rebels are running toward camera, and then stormtroopers appear behind. And they turn around and start shooting again. And in that little battle, that's when they do the comical C three PO R two D two pass as they cross the hallway and not get hit by lasers. Yeah, you know that. So I don't know why I just always loved that. It always gave me chills to watch them losing. You know, to like being pushed back. And um, back when we when we were in college, do we want to date this? <laughs> I remember when I remember when uh, I went to Jewel Osco. On Chicago Avenue, and they had VHS tapes of Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back and and uh, uh, Return of the Jedi, and they were like, "This is the last time the original movies is going to be available on video." Which so are, special editions were were, were going to come out, 
Yeah. We didn't know that, but that's we, I knew there was some marketing something that they were doing, and I couldn't get afford to get them letterboxed, so I just bought them at Jewel <laughs> for like nine bucks a piece or something. So I went and I got them home, and they had redone the pan and scan. And what happened is is that that shot in the corner of the frame, C three PO and R two D two were standing there in the corridor. And on the other side of the screen, the rebels were running down the hallway and being pushed back. Well, in the versions I had seen, the pan and scan favored the action of what was happening and bridging the two scenes. This version, they redid it and they were like, well, it's C-3P and R2-D2. We're, we're going to look at them. So instead of dissolving to an empty hallway and seeing these people getting pushed back and losing their standing in a battle... And seeing a new context for where they are in the ship, we just cut to two random robots for no good reason, <laughs> and it that's totally gone. And I remember being so livid, just like no. And I didn't even, I <laughs> never, I never broke the plastic on the other two. I want the good pen and scan. I want the good pen and scan. Yeah. Well, you know my history with pen and scan and litter box, my evangelism. <laughs> but yeah, so. Um, it's so mechanically rogue one so beautifully mechan uh did the mechanics of making it all dovetail in very nicely um then that overshadows i think that excitement for that overshadows some of the more narrative pitfalls the movie has but i don't think those pitfalls really kill the enjoyment of watching the movie in fact, we're th- I found myself comparing this movie to Gar- to the director Gareth Edwards' previous movie, Godzilla, a lot. Weirdly. Which I haven't seen. Which I haven't seen. So I, mean, I haven't I seen Monsters it. either. Monsters is very good. Oh, so so here's here's a point. Yeah, uh, we're like a nested tangents right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so many tangents. Because you start um, talking about Jin or so and Ray, and you thought maybe this might be her planet. Oh, just well, I was just trying to get my bearings uh, right. in the story at that point, and um, I also found, well, like you mentioned, the uh, physical resemblance between Felicity Jones and uh, what's her name, Daisy, Daisy Ridley. Ridley. I was going to say Daisy Fuentes, but that's <laughs> not right. Um, uh, the guy who played uh, uh, Inspector, no, Director Cranning. Krang? What? Krannick? Krennic? It's Krennic? Um, yes, Ben, Mi- right. ben Mendelsohn. Ec- amazing actor, Ben Mendelsohn. And uh, uh, Dr. Urso, whatever, Jin's father. I, could, I, I had trouble. They both have like uh, these kind of deep-lined faces <laughs> and... They're like the same age, and I don't know. I had trouble. And like in the flashbacks, I'm like, which one's which? Oh, yeah. Krennic's the one's always wearing the same outfit, but I didn't. That weirdly, no one go, no one sees as a uh, bullseye on his chest. <laughs> like when, when Diego Luna and Cassian is there to assassinate Galen Urso, and when they go to that planet, he's like, just go. I'm, we're here to, to rescue. And then he's, you know, be a sniper to him and not a rescue. Um, I love it how the Kranich's uh, uh, Imperial plane lands and then it's raining and everyone decides, no, let's have this meeting out in the rain, not under that really great awning. <laughs> we know where it's not raining. Let's have this meeting in the middle of the rain out in the open 
so that any potential snipers has a great view. And then, with all that, Diego Luna's not... He's, he's being torn over whether or not to assassinate Galen. And then he's like, hey, there's a there's like a major Imperial director there dressed in a target-ready white. <laughs> Never thinks to take him out. And it's interesting, yeah. for a movie, movie that's so brutal... I mean, this is a really brutal movie in its fight scenes. I mean, and completely exhilarating to watch all the stormtroopers fly in all the different directions just because that's how we play with our toys as kids. But, like, for a movie as brutal as it is in those scenes, it chooses strange times to not be brutal, I thought, to the point of narrative confusion. <laughs> Such you know? as when? Well, even, like, at the end of the movie when, like, you know, Kranich, and it comes down to um, Jin and Kranich, and Kranich is winged in the arm, which they don't know. And they're all like, come on, just leave him. And it's like, really? You're going to, this is the man that killed her father. Yeah. And also, was... we're all going to die anyway. <laughs> yeah, it was all in the service of uh, the irony, right. the ironic comeuppance that the Death Star would uh, take out the top of that tower right. while it shoots a spot like, 10 miles away for some reason. Which I completely understood. I mean, like, I, I completely understood why they did that. I wanted to see that. But we wanted to see that moment of, oh, shit, on his face. But it was, it strained credulity that, like, no, 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 no leave him. What are you going to do? What do you guys, where, where do you guys have to be right now? You guys succeeded and now you're going to die. So where do you have to be? So, um, but you know, those are playing to our baser instincts. I mean, our, our worst qualities rather. Those are paying, playing to our worst or qualities. And we, you know, I get the that revenge, too. Uh, you, right. you wanted to see the revenge. Yeah. Well, no, I, I wanted to see a better reason not to, if that's, if they were going to do not to not do the revenge. Oh yeah. That's there would have been a better point. reason not to. Well, I said, you know, I kept feeling my, as soon as the movie was over, I, I enjoyed the movie. I mean, it was it was a good yeah. time with the movies. Um, I didn't. I wasn't disappointed by it at all, uh, really. But I felt like a much better movie was on the cutting room floor. Like, if they had, right. I'm like, there's 20 minutes of footage that if they they put back in, because there's so many characters mm. and they all have their little arcs, and uh, some of yeah. them just feel like they end very abruptly. Um, I just felt like there's, it was like, you know, when you saw the Lord of the Rings movies and you're like, oh, those are good. And then you saw the extended version, like, oh, that's really good, you know, because mm. it just like digs in more because um, there's so much world to explore there and, and so many characters to, to, to deal with. Um, I, I had that feeling that uh, not the action itself although you, you raise a good example of where the action itself felt very kind of abruptly resolved um, in that physical conflict with the director Krennic uh, at the top of the tower. But just all the little character arcs, I felt like a lot of mm -hmm. them were kind of handled and, and resolved in a very abrupt manner. Um, like yeah, I wanted the, yeah, to see are. more. Well, the, I, I have a friend who, who, who really was disappointed in the script in particular of the movie. And while I didn't, sh I don't really share that vehemence, he brings up a lot of great points. And those points, again, for me, was like going, yeah, you're exactly right. I am really not that bothered. Normally I would be. 
but like the the ideas were like um he goes the the movie is a series of meetings it's all it's it's just I go to have this meeting with this person. Then they go to have this meeting with other people. And these two other people go to have a meeting with this person. They go to have a meeting with other people. Meeting, meeting, meeting. Kranich meetings with Tarkin. Tarkin, Kranich meeting with Vader. They meet, they meet, they meet, they meet. And then there's a big battle. And I'm like, well, that, yeah, you're right. That's not so bad. Kranich, in, in what is kind of a, uh, the, 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 the glaringest of it all, Kranich, who I, I, I love the actor, but he... His character is basically every scene is him being told you're a moron and you're incompetent. And he's like, "No, I'm not." Next scene, "You're a moron and you're incompetent." "No, I'm not." Next scene, "You're a moron and you're incompetent." "No, no, I'm not. You'll see." Next scene, "No, I'm not an idiot. You'll see." And then no one and then at the end he he dies ironically. So like there's no who why how why is he a threat? Why is he the main villain? He doesn't really pose a threat. Right, really because everyone just like doesn't take him seriously and which is always a good thing to get a, a villain moving is not being taken seriously but it's like it's like what does he mean to the other characters other than the fact that he killed her, his mom and later his dad i mean like that really that's a big that's a big deal but it's just being told he's just him being told he's incompetent constantly plus it's a, a- it happens just too many times. Yeah, um, where he's like he's off on an errand, and he gets to the planet, and look who's here! <laughs> like it's uh, what's well, interesting. Like, you bring that up. Like our heroes can't go anywhere without this one guy in the white cape showing up. We well, see like, that was the problem with Godzilla. And it's like an episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> right. Where in that movie, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, it just is like. Oh, this horrible thing happened. I just want to go home. Can someone get me home? And then everyone's like, "We're going off to fight the monsters that we, we don't get, we don't, aren't allowed to see ever." And then <laughs> we're off to fight these things. Uh, you can go this w- other way, away from the way we're going. And then some, wherever Aaron Town Taylor Johnson goes, he just happens to be there where all the monsters start fighting. And then he just stands around, and then he tries to go somewhere else, and then the monsters show up there. And it's comical how like. It's we're not even watching him do anything about it. We're just it's just there, and um, in this movie I was going well. At least they justified Kranich always happening to show up at these places where the rebel battle will show up, will suddenly blow up. It and was I go, motivated. They, they motivated it at least. The other one was totally unmotivated. Uh, but like, uh, yeah, it was. They motivated it well. It makes sense because everyone's objectives were kind of the same. Um. I, again, my my wife was uh, said the only thing that she was bothered by was that all the heroes didn't bicker enough. She's like, there's not enough infighting between them all. That's what made you know, and well, I didn't mind that at all. I like to usually see a little solidarity. I thought there was a lot of conflict between everyone's intentions. Yeah, I mean, there was uh, the whole you were going to assassinate my father <laughs> that part. Yeah, conflict. There's all that. But um, and I did like the fact that you've got. I did like the fact that they pointed out, you know, look, we've done some terrible things for the rebellion, and if this kind of thing all goes away, if it's not in service to anything, we're gonna go crazy. And I, I, I think it's a very valid um, psychological thing to point out. Um, I did think that the the, rebe- the, lead- the rebellion's leaders were a little quick to just go. We should just give up. 
<laughs> and, and and that's and they're just gonna say and, and what the empire's just gonna go eh okay we'll let it slide this time but on the, I mean again all these things are valid um, arguments but on the whole I thought it was that a great discussion was time. pretty I thought that actually was pretty realistic I mean you know it's a question of whether it's a military resistance or a or a political resistance right and if it's a military um, one, we do we really have the firepower to go up against that? We don't. Yeah, like if this is a trap to draw us into a decisive battle, mm -hmm. like that's how the Battle of Britain was fought. Like the Nazis were trying to draw Britain into a into a decisive air battle to just wipe out their air force, and mm -hmm. the the overmatched uh, British air force, Royal Royal Air Force, what it, RAF? Mm -hmm. I don't know what this is for. Um, you know, had to had to play small ball with them to right. to not get wiped out by a by a larger air force. So uh, I don't know. I I I actually thought that debate was uh, kind of interesting. Um, that didn't bother me at all. Hmm. But uh, yeah, well, well you're t so you're talking about this whole tone of the movie. You know, I mean, so that's one of the the way the descriptors for this movie is that it's not like one of the main Star Wars. What sets it apart from the main Star Wars saga is that it's a war movie. It's more right. like a war movie, right? Um, uh, whereas, you know, the main episodes are like a, a space opera or like more of an mm -hmm. adventure. This is like more gritty. And what, so how did you think that worked? Did, that, did it operate for you as a war movie? And what was you, how successful did you think it was? Or how did that, um, how did you experience that? I, I thought it worked out pretty well as a war movie. There there was oh there was another criticism that ties into this from a friend of mine who was saying that none of the characters were there to. None of the major characters, they all died alone. N nobody shared in those moments with them, and how they except, thought that was a big problem. Except for except for the 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 day after scene. The day after moment, yeah. Um, but. Referring to the '80s uh, television miniseries about <laughs> nuclear kids Armageddon. out there. Um, the only thing that, um, but I, I don't know. That didn't. While it wasn't as necessarily dramatic, or conventionally dramatic, I, I found it very moving that that they that they did die alone. That they were unrecognized. That all these, in these types of things, people die unrecognized all the time, and like that was to me completely legitimate and and i i think um th there was a I, I was bothered by something that i couldn't put my finger on and whenever i verbalized it, it 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 just it was categorically wrong where i was like i felt like with the exception of jen and cassian the um all the uh, and maybe bodhi um or body again the names that bodhi bodhi that their deaths because when they said his name i kept thinking of uh a hollywood agent bodie boatwright <laughs> i was thinking of bodie from the wire um that their deaths felt arbitrary in the and and i like like the way they died felt arbitrary and then i was like well, they all die exactly <laughs> and so i go i go all that same way what's that and they couldn't all die the same way they yeah they could some variety in there no, no, exactly. But I did feel I felt like there was like the way they died usually was was pretty arbitrary. 
But then at the same time, it was like, well, no, each one of them played a key role. That was pretty. Which one? Like the one who died from a scorpion in his boot. Like that was pretty arbitrary. (laughs) Which one was that? What's that from? Or the one who slips on a banana and like their oh right yeah neck just goes in a noose like that was <laughs> it, that, I thought that was I didn't think they I didn't think it was quite keeping with the tone of the film comically comically Rube Goldbergian but not really keeping with tone no yeah but um, but then I thought about it later it's like well you know every one of them you know had a with the I guess exception possibly of Bayes no Bayes held him off so like they all played a key role in getting the eventual task performed. But, um, and without each one of them, they wouldn't have been able to do it. Um, but yeah, there was something weird, like they, like, like, yeah, I couldn't really put my finger on it, but, but, uh, but that's just maybe because with war movies, we always, we always, if somebody is important, they have an important scene. But to me, the real horror of war is that if you're important, you don't, you necessarily, it doesn't matter. You know, you're gonna get mowed down. You're gonna get mowed down. And for me, I don't know. So, so that mixed with the, um, the more political moves they had to make and the harder choices they had to make, it 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 worked pretty well. It still felt felt like a Star Wars movie to me, though. It didn't feel like, it didn't feel like like in for like, in Force Awakens, it felt keeping in tone for the most part, except for that stupid scene with the creatures Han Solo was smuggling. That did not feel like it was part of the universe at all. And I never had that feeling in um, Rogue One. I felt like it, it pretty well kept. And it was so nice. I can't tell you how nice it was to see the old... I'm laughing. because uh, It was so nice to see the old Stormtrooper um, design and not yeah. any of the new ones. I hate the new ones. I, I the, the smiley smile. Right. I never know why they don't just go with the old one. Why did they have to change? Why does it have to be changed? Uh, and so I, 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 it was so nice to see that old stack, the old rebel uniforms, the old, all that new hope era stuff was so nice to see. Um, I, I giggled earlier because I keep saying how nice it is to see the stormtroopers, And yet I, laugh hysterically at all the Disney ads that they're running uh, for like the Disneyland hotel or the Disneyland resort where they're saying the magic of Disney come and you see these bright eyed kids smiling and then like, like, like fascist stormtroopers going like appearing <laughs> magically and walking through the aisles of their hotel. I'm like, that is not a good thing. <laughs> That's not a magical thing at all. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of odd. I thought there was like princesses and like Jiminy Cricket. No, we're gonna have like you know stormtrooper. <laughs> Peace and order will be maintained throughout your vacation. The ha- at the happiest place on earth. <laughs> or else, sadness um... is futile. Oh, am I mixing? Oh, never mind. Uh, so I find your point of view interesting, um, and I, I kind of disagree with it. Um, are you, are you saying I, I watched it wrong? <laughs> you might have watched it wrong. Um, well, we'll 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 figure that at the end. Um, right. So I'd heard it was a war movie, and I heard it was more intense than other Star Wars movies. Um, I really didn't think it was as emotionally intense mm. as Episode Three, right? 
uh, like I still won't let my kids that's, watch episode that's three because I think it might give them nightmares or just like disturb them. That's a bold I saw this statement. One. Uh, but I, I will, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I will say I, I felt like of all the prequels, episodes three ending was the most emotionally successful. Um, and I was amazed that they were able to be successful emotionally with all the crap that came before it, even within the same movie. So like, but yeah, I, I would agree. I would, I would, I would agree with that. I would agree that that three is probably the. I don't think Rogue One, yeah, didn't didn't reach that that height. It was more an it was more of a um, intellectual involvement. I think. Yeah, there, I I didn't think there was any single character's death that um, really like was trying to sink its claws into you as much as watching Anakin burn alive um, or before that slaughter a bunch of children, you know? Um, yeah. And, and, and yet I wanted to, um, Oh wait, Forrest Whitaker's death. That, that reduced me to tears. <laughs> Did it really? I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. I was too perplexed as to why he oh, was just giving up. Uh, that's one of the tangents we didn't get back to oh, is right. uh, Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, his whole thing, like when he has a scene with Jin Orso, um, his whole thing is that he's afraid that this is a trap because he's scared to die. Right. I mean, that's what I got from this character. It's like he's hanging on to life. He's obviously suffering, but he's hanging on to life because, A, like maybe he just wants, believes in resistance and think this is a cause worth fighting for. Mm -hmm. But B, like he's so afraid this is a trap. He can't trust right. this message, which could be the deliverance that the resistance needs or rebellion needs. Uh, my nine-year-old son would uh, scold me if I said resistance instead of rebellion uh, <laughs> at this point in the timeline. Uh, but he won't trust this message because he's so afraid it's a trap because he's so, he's so afraid to die. And right. so when, when death is coming for him and there appears to be a chance where he might be able to escape <laughs> – you're right. He's like, nah, I'm good. Like, <laughs> it's so weird. I, you I know, mean, I only I only learned about this ten seconds ago, but I've made peace with it. Right, exactly. And you kind of, I kind of wondered if they were trying to say in that moment when he's like, "Did is it you that's coming? Did they? Is it you that was sent to kill me?" Yeah. I I wondered if in that moment like he's his finally, favorite person apparently like it know. felt right to him at that point, and it was like. If like he'd somehow weirdly come to accept it at that point, but I still, but we missed it. We, we missed it. It, yeah. it made zero sense. They didn't get us there to an alarmingly distracting degree. Right. I mean, like to, to the whole point, they are running that whole special effects sequence. I'm not worried about anyone getting out. I'm going, why the hell isn't he trying to get out? Right. It's almost like there was a like the the the. <laughs> The second to last draft of the script, he he gets on the ship with them and he escapes and has a few more scenes. And they're like, these scenes are too crowded. Uh, they're not working. Let's just cut him out. Let's just cut uh, to him standing. Him. Let's just, let's just have, kill him just back have, on the planet. Exactly. Let's just shoot a shot with him doing one of those have fun storm in the castle shots. <laughs> right. Just like it simplifies everything. It makes the rest of the movie work. Let's just do it, you know? Yeah, or they were shooting chronologically, and then Forrest Whitaker was like, you know what, I'm done. <laughs> this like, uh, okay, this well, voice is kind of hard on my... I've made, a, I've made a poor longevity choice. 
<laughs> for, for my character. So I can't Plus, keep like, talking don't like Don't you think, uh, like, I'm, I'm obviously the Darth Vader surrogate, but Darth Vader's showing up later. <laughs> we can't have two people using into a machine. Yeah. Uh, so war, uh, so war movie. I mean, so I, I, I didn't find it very gritty. Um, the battle scene on at the temple. Well, the, yeah, okay, go where you know you see the resistance fighters, uh, the the Forest Whitaker. What is, I don't know what Forest Whitaker's character's name is supposed to be. This big uh, looming figure. Oh yeah, a... you know, say what you will about George Lucas, but he had a gift for coming up with character names or, or whoever he had to do or, it for or his him. or his children did. Okay, Forrest Whitaker's name is Saw Guerra. Hopefully, I got that pronouncing that right. I remember, I remember they were saying Guerrera or something like that, but I can't actually remember the exact pronunciation. But yeah, he didn't. Uh, it's you're right. None of them besides Jin are, are really that um, memorable. Was, the names, the names. Well, even her, like Jin, or so I had to look it up later. And then I know Cassian Andor and, uh, well, I know Bodhi because I thought of Boti Bodride. Mm-hmm. Sure, that was a great name. It was kind of like uh, Porter Wagoner, <laughs> uh, the country singer who uh, was married to Dolly Parton. That's my favorite. I used to say it was my favorite stage name of all time, but then I found out that's his real name. <laughs> So is it your favorite name name of all time? It's my favorite name of all time. His name is Porter Wagoner, which so they mean the same thing. Not right? wa- not Wagner. Wagoner. 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 Yeah. Wagoner. So the oh, a Porter carries things, a Wagoner carries mm. things in his wagon. His middle name is Wayne. Porter Wayne Wagoner. The old English word for wagon. <laughs> So like his parents totally knew what they were doing, right? right? That's <laughs> uh, I'm debating. Anyway, I start. <laughs> we got here because we were talking about something. Um, I could play it back. Um, we were talking about yeah, uh, the, the greediness, the, the grit. world greediness. Yeah, I did. Right. I just didn't. Um... But is grit is grittiness something you demand from a war movie? Well, why? And, and let me just say. So I, what makes so what makes a war movie then? Yes. Well, a war movie. Well, a war movie is obviously. Uh, what's the word? Uh, Define the subgenre for me. So it's a subgenre of action film, right? Right. Well, I. Sub, it's like uh, space opera would be one. Right. One subgenre of action. War movie is a different one. Well, there's. I, I'm not even sure I'm going to believe this, uh, agree with what I'm about to say, but you would think there would be a war movie would demand a um, mixture of um, visceral, uh, uh, visceral involvement in the moment of battle and um, a war room plant, a distanced reason war room planning. You know what I mean? How you could have and 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 highlight the the disparity and the reliance of between each. Um, but you and can and showing ha- the kind of sacrifice that comes with 
Right. Or the disillusionment, either the sacrifice and or the disillusionment that comes with what are our leaders doing. Yeah. So. Or is hell kind of message. Right. And so. uh, So, yeah. So I don't I, I don't think necessarily that equates to that most hated term grittiness which i i can't stand that that word oh i'm sorry i've been saying it. <laughs> i think you said it first did i i don't know if i did we'll have to check well, i don't know i i i I, re- I resist in saying that word all the time because what it's it's more of a buzzword for uh uh a a a, a realism that i am not embarrassed about getting behind really is what they're trying to say or like it's a it's an edgy realism that i can that i can stink of i won't be embarrassed by and i i, I find that crap i i just like it's 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 a it's a really cowardly way of describing something in my i mean but not that's only from like people who are making and selling movies not necessarily those talking about it um okay. but um i mean you distrust it as a marketing term. I just, I distrust it. Yeah, disingenuous. Right, and I, 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 I doubt like most marketing. I doubt the person. If you ask them, well, what does gritty mean? I doubt they could tell you. You know. Well, let me ask you this. So when I say war movie, right? Let's rewind it before Rogue One was ever a thing. If I say war movie, what movies mm-hmm. do you think of? What are the movies that come to mind as uh, representative? The Longest Day. A bridge too far. Um, Torah, Torah, Torah. I haven't yet seen Patton. Can you believe that? Um, um, so I've seen. That's the first one on this list that I've seen. There's. I mean, so basically, you know, I, I, uh, there's, there's obviously Saving Private Ryan. Well, Patton's there's... kind of more of a. Uh, do you say this is biopic or biopic? I say biopic. I always say biopic. I know biopic makes more sense, but I read it as biopic. I think as as biography picture. Yeah. Whereas, no, that, that whereas totally is. Yeah. I don't think biopic is defensible at all, except <laughs> that you could say it faster. It reminds me of myopic. Yeah. That's what well, I many think biopics of are. Yeah. <laughs> but I, um, Patton is like really a a biopic first, and, right. Or a biopic first, and a, and a war movie second, I think. Because another thing is about, so, you know, I, so like Midway or um, Saving Private Ryan, like a lot yeah. of them are about the kind of mechanics of, well, here's a, here's a battle that happened, and here's kind of the mechanics of how it played out. You know, right. And, and where the players were, um, and, uh, you know, the, the winds of fortune or uh, heroism or courage that, Mm-hmm. Uh, produced the outcome that they produced, right? Yeah. But, but I really grew up on the Vietnam nostalgia, or the uh, the, the kind of uh, you know when in the eighties when America was kind of going through its Vietnam post Vietnam therapy. Um, so like the war movies I really think of first are like Full Metal Jacket mm-hmm. and Platoon. Um, like those would be like probably the first two I ever saw, you know. Right. Um, Casualties they, of War. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Casualties of War is much more of like a 
like a morality play or right. something. Like yeah. it's, uh, it just has kind of a that war setting. But um, well, I guess maybe you could say that about Platoon too. I don't know. For me, what I think a war movie should be is basically a morality play. Whereas when I think of the war movie genre, I think of the kind of using war as action. You know, like and it's just a kind of one style of action. Yeah, like like if you've seen like The Longest Day or Bridge Too Far, those movies, they're all and they're they're like non funny Kelly's hero. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen these in so long. I'm probably talking out my ass, but like they're star studded, like action pictures, action adventure pictures. And and they're yeah. not that critical of war as a concept or as a means to an end. And yeah, like, I I really haven't seen like these John Wayne. I think I've only seen the movies that were yeah. made as, in response to those movies. Exactly. Yeah, like yeah. The big red one. Right. You know, like the ones that were kind of pointedly. Yeah, I think uh, in reaction to to the traditional war movies. Yeah. So I I don't have a I don't think I feel I have a very grounded sense in what I should expect from a war movie yeah, so as a you, genre. So you and I grew up under the things like our war movies were already ones of like going, look, the, the, the psychological toll and societal effect on from these wars are devastating. That was our introduction to war movies. As like you said, as a reaction to the ones from before. And, and, but when I went through, you know, when I was going through my film history training, uh, or self-imposed film train going through all these things. You saw war movie after war movie of just, they're just action adventure. They're more adventure than anything else. Yeah. And so it's, it's really off putting. So when you, when you, so was rogue one being told that it was a war movie? Was it off putting to you then that you saw it as an, as an adventure movie? Is that well, what that, probably that's was? the thing is that, uh, and this is why I didn't enjoy it as much as uh, as Force Awakens is that I didn't feel it was as much of an adventure movie. Hmm. So, I mean, if it was a war movie, so whatever expectations that set for me, I was expecting something, you know, this is the most intense Star Wars film. Um, it's not like that. It's a war movie. I was expecting – what I got was uh, much more – war movie light like trying to mm -hmm. say trying to trying to say here's a war movie but we still have to make it acceptable and palatable for a star wars audience which mm -hmm. is i guess it's fine by itself but i felt like a lot of in a lot of ways it tried to have it both ways and that it was yeah it's sort of hinting at this kind of brutality that you're talking about but um in a way that when i watched it i'm like oh my six-year-olds can watch this like you know like Compared to the um, the the Clone Wars TV show, like have you ever watched that? Unfortunately, no, I haven't. It's pretty good. That's uh, what I in hear. Some respects, like it has some pretty. Uh, it gets pretty deep into like the themes of, uh, you know, uh, how do you know that you're working on the right side mm -hmm. um, uh, of this conflict? Uh, <laughs> this is like a just war that you're in, or um, you know. Like there's all these subplots of like the clones are being treated like slaves and so they they rebel um, and so they're traitors to their cause but they're really kind of freedom fighters and I get the the the, the morals of it get pretty complicated but in terms of the action in that show 
it's just a fucking meat grinder. I mean, right. so the, 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 the forces are designed as these droids, mass manufactured droids and these mass produced clones is that you can just wipe out large numbers of them and not feel bad about it. Right. And it's really, it's really disturbing. Well, like compared to like GI Joe cartoons where you always saw the parachute open. Right. Right. Jet was, <laughs> jet was shot down. Um, but even then, like what's in the clone wars, like clones are just getting as long as they have their helmet on, they can get shot and torn to pieces and it's fine. And it's not until they take their helmet off that you have to see them as humans. Right. You know, at all. And I find that more disturbing than anything I saw right. well, like I, from a moral standpoint or what my kids should be watching. Well, I, I've always found it. I mean, I've always found that I've always found it absurd that the death deaths that have a meaning uh, are are more unacceptable than deaths without meaning in movies. You know what I mean? So like the video, yeah. like the video game violence where you just mow everybody down, that's completely acceptable. But if for some reason there's a, 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 a moral ambiguity or, or like a feeling of loss. That's exactly that's, that's a feeling un, of loss. That's unacceptable. And I'm like, well, that's no, the only healthy part of <laughs> exactly. being a death. Exactly. So Just processing that loss. It's processing the loss. And so, you know, the little parachute coming out of the plane on everything in G.I. Joe has an effect of like, well, no one gets hurt in war. And then when you just see everyone get mowed down and I don't have to feel bad about it, that's 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 somehow better. I don't I, I don't I'm very disturbed and off put by that. And um and 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 I, I I admit that while watching Rogue One, I was torn by the fact that I was having a really good time watching the battle sequences, but the battle sequences weren't really filmed to be. Um, they were filmed to be fun, but they were. But the the narrative was to say this is all very bad, and yeah, and I and there was a. I didn't feel like it was fun. The dis the 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 dis disconnect there should have made me not like the movie, but I. And maybe this is, this is maybe this is the desensitization that everyone talked desensitizing that everyone talked about. That didn't it didn't bother me, um, and I'm still processing why. How um, and and I'm I'm dancing around another point that I've forgotten mid talk. But uh, <laughs> well, I'll respond to that yeah. then uh, while you capture that. Um, as I I didn't find that fun. So like for the first half of the movie, I didn't really. How much of it did oh. I enjoy? Um, uh, I I thought it was really kind of uh, uh, very dense. I'm like this is this plot is not real easy to follow. Like the way the characters are introduced, uh, Cassian Andor on this mining colony, um, getting some information and then shooting his informant. Right. And it's not super clear why he has to shoot that guy. I guess just so he doesn't tell anyone that he told him or no one else gets the information. I don't know. It just establishes that Cassian Andor kills people in the line and, of work. Well, I and guess. it's and he's and he's. Probably someone not to be trusted because of whatever he's fighting for, he values more than a basic morality, basic decency. 
you know? Well, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not, not clear really at that part. clear what his motives were for shooting that guy. That was very shocking so, to me when it happened. I was like, so oh. I don't know how to judge it except that, you know, the guy's in a sling and so he seems kind of sympathetic, but he's also like one of the worst actors to ever appear in. <laughs> He's he's giving one of the worst performances in any Star Wars movie, which is yeah. saying something. Like, cause there's some pretty bad line readings uh, by bit players in, in Star mm-hmm. Wars movies, but I think that guy takes the cake. <laughs> like, I think Ahmed yeah. Best has a new contender for worst performance in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> but that guy, like, you know, I can't climb out of here. I got a bad arm. Or, you know, I can't. <laughs> right. Yes, just shoot him. Oh, you're killing me with the, you know, I don't know. It's like, yeah, uh, but, but chewing up the metallic scenery. I did find that death very shocking and confusing. Um, but I, uh, it, but it, it basically just made me be on edge to whatever. It made me just not have reason not to trust him with anything he said. Cause I yeah. didn't know where he was going to go. But did you enjoy that scene? No, I didn't enjoy that scene. I didn't like all those all those setup scenes. Uh, it just felt like work to me, <laughs> you no, know. But it, uh, until we got to like, I mean, uh, when the, the the director Krennic showing up because uh, he has kind of the cool interaction with the the scientist guy. Oh, by the way, is this the first scientist we've seen in all these sci-fi movies? You mean, the, you mean you mean Jin's dad, Galen yeah. Erso? This is the first scientist we've encountered in all these stories, right? Yeah, I guess so. We've seen. Yeah, no one's no one makes this stuff. Has there been a tinkerer in all in any of Star Wars? Well, Luke modified his own saber. Well, Han and Chewie tinker with the right. The, the Falcon all the time, but, but no one's who's a, a scientist. You know, this is the first like science. This is the first appearance of science in interesting. Star Wars movie. You yeah, know, I think you're I always probably had to right. tell I always had to tell my kids like they would ask like, "How does a Tie Fighter fly?" I'm like, "You're asking the wrong questions. This isn't. It looks <laughs> Which, like a science science fiction movie, but it's not a science. Well, they're movie. ion engines. Like, there's no <laughs> right. Like until, twin ion engines. Until we're told that Starkiller Base draws its energy from a star, <laughs> it's the first time we're ever concerned with a power source. Right. Right. In a Star Wars film, right? Do, it was do, never no. like you just have so, always have all the energy you need. No one needs to eat or sleep. You know, really. Like we don't have to worry about how this stuff is working. Yeah. You know? No blaster ever runs out. No. Yeah. No uh, lightsaber ever goes dim. No specs wing runs out and get fuel. Right. You're you're and, on the wrong side of the brain. Like you know right. this isn't this isn't the right this isn't Star Trek. So so know? what you're saying is is that the the Or as our uh as our late friend uh Jason Coffey uh would say, Star Wars too much fi, not enough sigh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. <laughs> oh, Jason, uh, but but yeah, I always like that about yeah. Star Wars. It's like you know, it has the you put you rub sand and dirt on your spaceship, but you don't worry about how you fuel it. Right, you know? <laughs> that's it right. Looks, it's like it looks so real because it's got dirt and it's banged up, and yet we don't think about yeah, how does it fly? 
nobody cares. Like nobody right. wants to think about. It. Well, I always, I think I always loved about the Star Wars universe above anything else was that everyone spoke their own language and nobody used the translator, and it's never yeah. addressed. And everybody just understands everybody else. Everybody understands everybody, and and there's something kind of beautiful about that. So what is C-3PO's job again? That's a good point. Yeah, he's he knows all these different. And Every wh- once in a while, you meet an Ewok. Right. And nobody and knows shit. Can, now you need a translator. All this now time. you need a translator. For comic purposes. <laughs> I guess the, uh, uh, yeah, he was Only all. Only that with funny. <laughs> um, so, um, so I, I guess I'm circling back at the wrong time because now I don't remember what we were just talking about. Yeah, but I, uh, um, I interrupted the proceedings. No, but uh, so so take the take the assault uh, on the uh, convoy in in that town square when they go to the mining town and Jin and and um, Jin and Cassian are are try to get in and they meet uh, the great Donnie Yen and yeah. Trout and Bays. That attack, okay, take that, that attack. Was, that, that was fun. That, it, uh, I really? That. <laughs> yeah, I did. Well, well, of course, with Donnie Yen coming in and doing what he's so great at that's uh, which i think was a great addition to the series and definitely made it more fun but yeah. the, but the thing thing he, i was thinking his about character was fun right uh and and then you also go you know Baze has got that big repeater how come no one else has figured out how to do that <laughs> um right. but uh um He's got the big Dyson air blade on his back. Or... <laughs> well, that's one of the cool... So that's one of the things I love about the Star Wars universe yeah. is some things can be mass-produced, but some things are just like uh, legendary artifacts and nobody yeah. can reproduce them. Nobody can right? ever do it again, right? He's yeah. got the only like... Thing. Like, why can't they make another... You'd think there would be like a, a thousand R2-D2s out there because he's so handy, but no, some for some reason... Of all the R2 units, yeah. astromech droids, this one is like the smartest and the cleverest. And what's well, uh, the love bug principle? These problems. It's the love you know? bug. You know, yeah, you mass like produce every, a thousand. Each one of them is just somehow bespoke, <laughs> so that you might get like a crappy one, or you might get like the greatest one ever right. that you would never. You would rush back into a. Uh, an exploding planet to save him because he's that useful, you know. <laughs> Not that they've ever died. Should come up with a better example right. that's actually happened in a movie, but you know, they that totally may have been through a lot to together. R two D two, you know. Yeah. Well, so take that battle on that convoy. Remember the sequence where, um, the resistance fighters start attacking. Cassian and Jin are kind of caught, but they start shooting them down too adding to the fire. Yeah. And then one of the, re- one of the rebellion, one of the uh, rebellion guys come up with, or I guess this is one of saw Guerra's guys right? comes up with a bomb to drop it. But because Jin's in the way or it's going to get in their way, Cassian shoots him. Right. Remember that? Well, cause he's going to blow up Jin and yeah, Jin yeah. is critical to the mission. Right. right. Exactly. So, which then I'm great, glad for created conflict down the line. Right. Um, but yeah, those things that that's not that was bloodless. That was a faceless death. But that was not a death without meaning. I mean, we're watching that going. Not only were we talking about you just killed somebody who was ostensibly on your side, but also, uh, uh, 
how you felt about that. So like, so I mean, as even as a viewer, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like watching. It, yeah, my main characters is is survived, but that guy didn't, and to, you know, it, I I don't know. I I mean, I mean, it. I I think that that can make that to me is a is a reality play that for lack of a better term applies into the gritty factor it's not necessarily just watching you know when you see lightsabers slice intestines open and we see all that stuff but like these kind of things of like no we just killed probably someone on your side could have been a good man maybe not who knows we'll never know because we just you know that i i i needed to do something to advance my end and that that was actually those were the thoughts that the viewer had rather than just one more cool death one more cool guy shot off a overpass you know so yeah no you're right and and it was shot from this very kind of street level uh way um instead of like in this kind of heroic it wasn't right. a heroic act. Like right. he saved Jin's life. It but was, it was not heroic, right. It was like real politic, uh like this is what it takes to to complete yeah. this mission kind of way. So I mean, yeah, I, I I could see that. Um but then very quickly, uh 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 <laughs> KRS one. What is the droid's name? It's um I got it right here. Droid's name is K two S O. K two okay. K two, but it's K dash two, so K two S O, and they just call him K. Right? I guess so. Yeah. Which, by the way, what did you think of? Oh, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say he he shows up for some comic relief, and then uh, and then we have, uh, for me, one of the two best scenes in the movie where uh, the blind guy does his kung fu, <laughs> um, on on the stormtroopers. Um, mm-hmm. that, that in the Darth Vader, uh, scene at the end, uh, were the two highlights of the whole film for me, mm-hmm. uh, where it was just like, it was like badassery, but it was all, it was, uh, I don't know. It was like larger than life. Maybe that's what I like right. about those two scenes is, um, it was just like this, uh, adrenaline shot, um, in the middle of these films and they but they also had like a little bit of fan service to them <laughs> you know like hey this guy's gonna use some you know uh i'm gonna pronounce this wrong but wuxia moves or you know mm-hmm. uh martial arts moves um that we haven't really seen in a star wars film and then uh you know vader's gonna give us some force pushes and some force chokes in the middle of just uh yeah. kicking uh, a, a huge amount of ass um, and being like scarier than we've ever really seen him, earning the earning the thing of that title of like we were always told he's the he's the scariest thing, and then like he's just you know, guy in a suit walking around that he can barely walk straight. I mean, you know, he's always kind of intimidating. Oh but, yeah. Uh, you know. Oh, quick side note: Did I tell you uh, my experience shooting uh, we, for the Star Wars Blu-ray release? Some years ago, um, I was a cameraman for a Star Wars related app called Ask Vader. It's basically a magic wow. eight ball. It was a magic eight ball where Darth Vader would answer your question. You'd ask Darth Vader a question and he would give you some magic eight ball response. Um, and we shot, I had a camera and I shot, they had a, 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 a Lucasfilm 
um, employee who's one of the uh, certified um, Darth Vader appearances with the certified costume and a handler and come down. He had a lot of specific rules. No one could see him half in costume. He's either not in costume or fully in costume because they didn't want to break that mystique. Like, it didn't matter who it was. It was like no one sees him half in costume. And um, there was a lot of different things. So, and this was at a time when you know the the Revenge of the Sith had come out, and the the dorkiest scream heard around the world at the end of that movie. With with I remember no. I remember when Vader's when they because I'm always thinking about how come they have all these rolling robots, but then when they put him together, he's in pleather with big buttons. <laughs> and I'm like I'm like I'm like what? How are they going to make that work? And so, you know, when we just watch this grueling thing with Hayden General Grievous can get this amazing right. forearmed, <laughs> leaping but, body. But, but we, we can only afford Madame Trousseau for you, I guess. And, like, um, so he puts him up in, uh, uh, in, in, you know, they wheel him up and he's standing there. And through that whole sequence, I'm going, God, these movies, I really don't like these movies, but at least they won't, they can't ruin the original for me. And then he stands up, and they say, "You know, Padme, she's she's gone." No! And then I go, "Oh God, Darth Vader looks dorky. Darth Vader looks dorky. I never noticed it before. He's seventies dorky." And I was, cr- and I went home and I put in a New Hope, and I saw him walk out on the blockade runner, and I went. Oh shit, he's dorky. I can't take this. It ruined Darth Vader for me. I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. I go, I'm not, I'm not scared of him anymore, and I hate it. And 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 I was so bummed. And so years later, many, many, many years later, I'm at this company and we're shooting this app, and I hear Darth Vader's gonna come. I I, I can't even bother to be be excited. I'm just I'm not. And I'm not even thinking about anything. And I just, and I. I remember he had everything set up. We were in a big green screen and I'm sitting there waiting for him to come in and they go, okay. Okay. They said, Vader's on the way. He's coming. And the door opens and Vader has to crowd, has to bend over to come in. Cause he's so tall. He comes in and the minute I saw him, my breath escaped me. I went, <gasps> and I, in that instant, I was so happy that I was terrified of this man again. <laughs> I was like, Oh, he scared me. He's really imposing in person. Oh, it's. I, I was just. I, I. I was so happy that it, it worked. And then we had a really good shoot. And on my Facebook page, there's some uh, photos of um, he's sitting in like a uh, uh, a living room setting. And we did a couple of joke photos of us doing a sitcom called "Oh That Vader." It was really fun. You should post those to the "You Watched It Wrong" Facebook page. I maybe I will. This is a good crew that day too. Really great people. So that's my thing with the with the movie is. So you said you liked it better than Force Awakens. I'm on the other side of that coin. Like I thought Force Awakens was this rollicking adventure. Um, you know, yes, it was derivative. It was you know mapped mm-hmm. on top of uh, a New Hope mostly, um, with like this weird surrogate Yoda figure, um, running a. Mm can't surrogate cantina and you know like it was 
but it was I just thought it was fun. Like I had this fun energy to it. It just mm-hmm. felt like an, a um, to borrow a, a friend, my friend Jacob's uh, expression for it. It was just felt like a romp, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it was. Um, yeah. It had this really like propulsive for forward energy to it, and it was funny, and the the characters and the actors portraying them, I just found very appealing. Um, uh, and so it wasn't like the greatest plot or anything, mm-hmm. but it was. I thought it was a really fun experience. Like it was just a, mm-hmm. like a nice movie to hang out in. I, oh, absolutely! Um, I completely agree. I I, I, I mean, I mean, I I felt like, but it didn't. It was. It was uh, it wasn't even a souffle, really. It was basically uh, all Force Awakens was to me, and what ultimately disappointed me after I watched it was that I was like, this was just a way to reset the fa- reset the the audience to say, look, so the if you think of it, all the first, it's it's a remake of the trilogy. The first act is Star Wars. The second act of the movie is Empire Strikes Back. And the last act is a remake of Jedi. It's a remake of all three movies jammed into one. And mm. and it's got, look, there's no Jar Jar Binks. There's no, it's got everything in it that you already liked. New characters, but they're close enough. It's got the little pill-shaped windows, light windows in the background of everything. All the aesthetics that you liked get back on board. This isn't the prequels. And then once this is done, we'll tell you a, a real story. And, yeah. and, and that's, and like, it was just basically reset, like getting the franchise to be, don't hate us because we're everything <laughs> right. you like. And, 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 and to me, I, and to me, I, I thought if, if this movie had come out in 1999 or whenever Phantom Menace came out, if this movie had come out, then how elated I would have been. No, but only if you'd known. Yeah, you're right. Phantom Menace was the alternative. You're right. You're right. If it had come out instead of Phantom Menace, it would have been a big disappointment. Yeah. I think you're probably right. But like, but like just to know that, Oh God, that didn't totally blow. Then, (laughs) then like, you know, you could breathe easy. But having said that, I was not interested in anything further in Star Wars. Then I heard about Road One and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then, but I think the, but the really first thing to get me really excited about Star Wars again is that episode eight is being written and written and directed by one of my favorite filmmakers, Ryan Johnson. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm interested again. Although I kind of wish he'd gotten the young Han instead. (laughs) But, But you know who is doing that? No, who? Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Oh yeah, of course. Oh, so yeah, the, the, again, I'm right, fine right, with right, that right. too. Uh, I'm not. In, I'm kind of not interested in seeing a young Han Solo because I, I don't want it messed with anymore. But if anyone's going to, they, they are the kings of doing projects that are on every conceivable level a bad idea, and then they're brilliant. Speaking you know, of so. which, uh, speaking of another movie that's just like a, a romp and a fun adventure. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah, watched that. Watched that yesterday with the boys, and I was proud of them when uh, Star Lord is giving like his inspirational speech uh, to the other to the fellow Guardians. Um, uh, Frederick's like, uh, no, it was uh, Gideon. It was one of the six year olds. Goes, he sounds like Emmett, and I'm like, hey, it is Emmett, <laughs> the same actor. Wait, he sounds like Emmett. What? 
from uh, the Lego movie. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he just meant like giving that he was giving that speech. Right. I'm like, oh, it's the same actor doing right, this right, thing. right, right. Same voice. Um, and then like they all got this look on their face, like, oh. That year was the year of the Chris. I'm telling you, that year was like Chris Pratt, Guardians and Lego Movie, and Chris Evans, uh, Winter Soldier and Snowpiercer. Like that was the, those four movies. I just adore to know it. And the, so, um, but yeah, so like Guardians really. And, and think about it. That's a fun romp. You think of that movie, you think fun and colors and great. Begins. What's the big, oh, first scene of that movie? <laughs> the mother dying. Yeah, ripping your yeah. goddamn heart out, and yeah. like, and like, I remember people kept telling me that because it just opens. It doesn't say, like, like the it goes from the the last preview ends, and then it's the first frame hospital. Like, there's nothing. There's no. There's no bumper. There's no title card. There's no nothing. Oh, they're not giving the Marvel. Uh, nope. Flipping pages. That comes later. Logo? That comes later, and it just goes boop. There it is. I, I from what I recall, I'm sure the internet will tell me otherwise. Um, but, uh, people kept, I remember people kept saying like, I thought I came into the wrong movie. Like uh, this move, this is ripping my heart out. This can't be guardians of the galaxy, <laughs> but that scene is integral to the, to the, I, I, weirdly enough, that scene is integral to the fun of the rest of the movie because it, yeah. it one, it gives you a, a I mean, I, I'm not, uh, I, I, that's one of those rare mom dying of cancer scenes in a otherwise action movie that really works to me. It, 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 I can't remember if I cried in the, there the first time I saw it or not, but I definitely cried when he's playing the tape at the end. There's like, there's, I definitely cry during that every time. And, uh, uh, it, but yet that, what I think of when I think of that movie is, is just how damn fun it is. And yeah. you're right, Rogue One didn't seem to really aim for that. No, they did. No. They they said and, and this isn't this is an issue that I think a lot of fans may not fully understand when they talk about what they want to see in things. Like they want to see a dark, gritty Star Wars or comic book movie that shows their their character, you know, really being violent or or dull whatever and and um, that still can be at odds at their own enjoyment of <laughs> of what they actually like about it, and and they, they what they're saying is that I I want a movie that will make me not feel bad about liking this. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what they're really saying. Right. And so if yeah. you give them something like you know that will not make them feel bad about liking it, then it can be anything. It it can be any of those things. Um, and so Rogue One, I think, tried to do, I mean, the space battles above Scarif is just like, that was me playing with my toys that I finally got to see on screen. Yeah. I mean, like, that's how I saw it. When, pretty right, incredible. as much as I didn't really enjoy, like, the first half hour of that movie, um, once, once they got to the, like, the temple and all that, that business, I, I dug all that, um, all the rainy planet meeting <laughs> yeah whatever i thought yeah you know, i i didn't enjoy any part of that that whole sequence no um, my my wife went to the bathroom during it and she came back and she goes tell me what i missed and i'm like 
really nothing. Yeah. There was a great yeah. time to go to the bathroom. It just it's like <laughs> shuffling characters around and throwing them all into a, a pot and stirring it. Right. And um it's like it was I didn't find it exciting. Mm-hmm. I find it kind of a slog to just yeah. get through that section of the film. Um it's like it's trying to accomplish too much in one on one platform. Yeah, one platform. <laughs> you know, it's like out in the okay, rain, not under the awning. <laughs> let's just get most of the characters in the galaxy that we've established so far into this one <laughs> 10, 100 square feet of space. Right. And see what happens. Um, uh, but then when they start the raid, like uh, they start their mission, mm-hmm. the mission with a bunch of guys, uh, uh, the Dirty Dozen kind of mm-hmm. section of the movie. Um, the whole start of that, I was totally into. And then when uh, they bring in the cavalry, and now there's the big battle, and they close the shield, and like now the stakes are raised, they're all trapped. I'm like, holy smokes! Like this could be. That was so exciting, yeah. you know. Like it, it wasn't. I mean, parts of it were fun, but it was mostly just like a thrill, right? right. It was just really very exciting, very tense. Yeah. Um And like, uh, and like you say, you kind of know this is doomed. Like they're going to accomplish their mm-hmm. mission, but they're all kind of doomed, right? And yeah. so when they close that shield, um, you're like, and they're all, they realize they're trapped. I'm like, ah, oh, this is good. Like they, I felt like, like we got a tiger by the tail right now. Like this could be the best, the best Star Wars movie from this point forward if they do it right. Right. And, and for a stretch, it is like when the ad ads show up or whatever. Oh, yeah. Again. Uh, my children would correct me that they're not AT-ATs. There's AT something else. Right. They're ADAS to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, they're they're not. I guess they're not ADAS because an X-wing blaster can. That is one of my questions. Like that's true. Is, it, is an X-wing blaster just that much stronger than a, a snow speeder blaster, <laughs> or did they improve the the shielding and the and the, the armor that much? The cold actually uh, helps. Or does the cold uh, like yeah, just yeah. make the laser blasters not perform as well, which is but that's very a, possible. Right? That is a great point because, like, I, 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 that, that I went, hey, wait a second, yeah, how did that and happen? They, you know, and they can like shatter the knee joint too from right. the uh, from the U wing. Um, I think it was from. The I mean, I mean, if you think chronologically, if 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 there isn't a manufacturing uh, uh, dearth going on, um, they the uh, the empire can learn from that battle. And go. Those walkers are too susceptible to laser blower. Right. Like those were prototypes. Right. Which is totally, which would totally make sense. Or it could be. It raises the question: Why on Hoth are they flying snow speeders and not X wings? Like, well, maybe X wings could have taken out those adats on Hoth, except right. X wings don't perform well in, uh, in that level and of that- cold. And then my nine year old is like, "Well, it's not as cold as the cold of space." And like. <laughs> Well, yeah, but you don't get ice. You don't ice up in space. There's okay? no moisture in space. Right. Give me a break. Uh, <laughs> but, I, you know, that, that brings up another point. Like, the reusing of, like we were talking before, how, like, uh, we're on, ta- well, the whole Empire's got to go to Tatooine. The whole Empire's got to talk to Jabba because we all love Jabba. We all love Tatooine. Um, the sequels and prequels always have the problem. Like, there's nothing more I hated in the prequels than... The fact that Yoda and Chewbacca knew each other before right. I, I was like, that is, I hated that more than Jar Jar Binks. I really did. And, um, but, uh, uh, 
so that that's a real problem. It's like just tell new have new characters, tell new stories, do whatever. You know, don't have to rely on everything that everyone loved before because you'll only ruin it. At the same time, there's also that thing of like, well, they had all that stuff. Why aren't they using it? I love seeing the AT-AT agains or the ATACs yes. or whatever. I love seeing them again. I'm glad they incorporated them again and in a plausible way. And so, um, yeah, they didn't put They're jet- doing what I always thought they should be doing because, you know, if you've seen uh, Empire for a few times, you, you watch it and you're like, those edits kind of suck. Yeah, <laughs> they do. You go, why didn't the Empire have speeders? They could have just right. flown right up to the thing and bombed the thing. What is the point of these <laughs> things that move like, you know, you can run faster than they can walk? <laughs> and like, well, they they must be just to intimidate. Like, right. they must be like a weapon of terror. You they're, know? they're the col- they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're the columns on a courthouse. They're to make you make it feel this is a big deal. Yeah, they're just very imposing. And then when you see them. Like and and this big snowy plane that kind of doesn't work spatially, but then General <laughs> Ozil is as clumsy as he is stupid, so he yeah. just landed up too far away. But um, although uh, Krennic in the in the first scene at the farm, he lands his ship like a country oh, yeah. mile away from the farm. Also, I'm going to walk my four soldiers. I thought up the, to the farm same thing. Here. I uh, I remember going. Oh, this exercise for the day. You know, <laughs> I remember thinking to myself, "Oh, this doesn't bode take well." Our constitutional. <laughs> get a little. But yeah, it looked get a little loose before we uh, do the the kidnap and slaughter. So the at is it the ATACs? I don't know. I don't remember. Let's get Frederick down here at what's like yeah. what, three in the morning at your time. <laughs> um, he'll know. He'll know. I think um like, like they were troop transports in in Rogue One, right? Right. And that made more sense. Well, no, in Rogue One, no, because they're open. Like, their, right. their sides are open. So they don't even appear to have <laughs> any function except to poke through those trees and, or right. uh, those palm trees and say, yo, <laughs> <laughs> up there, you got to deal with us. <laughs> and to have some uh, personality when they get hit in the ear. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So one of uh, the bedtime stories I uh, would tell was about um, uh, an aunt named Auntie who took over. Uh, well, he had his own adventures, but then he took over an at at. <laughs> so then he was aunt at. Uh, but it was an aunt piloting an at at. But he would do, you know, he basically just acted like a dog. He would <laughs> drink water out of a dish. And you, You've uh, seen the YouTube video where someone has animated the, the at at doggy right it's incredible oh yeah you've seen, seen that, that right yeah that's right oh this is all inspired by um <laughs> of course uh the 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 carney brothers joint of the oh right. parody <laughs> which did predate that video <laughs> that's right that's uh, right. of the ad at sniffing uh, the uh the snow speeder yeah so your college project um mm. uh uh of of which you start of executing uh, a, a parody of the Empire Strikes Back, which is longer, <laughs> has a longer running time than the Empire Strikes Back. It's not necessarily a selling point. Is, is it really? <laughs> it all shot on on VHS in uh, in our dorm. That's almost three quarter. Yeah. No, you're right. No, it's high eight. It's all shot in high eight. Oh, okay, all right. Um, but in it, uh, uh, one of one of the highlights for me is when the the edit 
bends down and sniffs before he steps on the snow speeder. He bends down and <laughs> sniffs it like a dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I actually just the other day, I was motivated to say something that you said in that movie as Lando Calrissian. Uh, and, and I realized that I no one... one of the funny lines instead of one of the other lines. <laughs> we gave you a few of the other lines. The funny lines were the ones that you actually just said. And uh, the I, I don't know why. I really just wanted... I said some... I really wanted to say to someone, hey, I'm sorry. But not that sorry. <laughs> but it's the inflection. It really wasn't. It didn't, I realized I just come off weird. It's like I believe I've never heard anywhere else the line where uh, they are all at first introduced to Lando, and Lando is like walks up to Leia and is like, "Oh, and who might you be?" Yeah, she Leia. says Leia, and he says, mm, "Don't mind if I do." Yeah, it's weird. We never heard. Well, <laughs> I think we someone, heard someone else would have done that joke, right? Right, right. But I haven't come across it yet. Ah, uh, what a silly, what a silly thing. Yeah, we were young. <laughs> uh, my other favorite line I got to deliver was um, uh, when they're going to rescue Luke and he's hanging from the, the hangar. And, you know, mm-hmm. we're assuming that everyone's already seen the movie, so we, we don't bother to even show Luke hanging on the <laughs> No, we don't. Hanger. Uh, and Lando's in the cockpit and there, uh, Leia's like... Uh, Oh, there he is. And Lando says, hey, that's a restricted area. <laughs> that is my favorite line, too. Because <laughs> it is his place. <laughs> it's his place. And, you know, and uh, and, and this version of Lando so clearly oh. doesn't give a shit about anything. <laughs> up until that point. Up until that point. Oh, yeah. But that is one of my favorite. That was one of my favorite unsung lines in that movie is, is that, that video is. Hey, that's a that's a restricted area. Yeah, and, and not you know, I mean, it kind of stands out because it's written in a different way than like every most other joke jokes other... that we wrote at in that decade of our lives. Or there was no like, it wasn't a play on words. Yeah, it, it was wasn't. A... It was just like a little character well, moment. There, there's a just, there's kind of a non sequitur, but it was also like suddenly we're really real about. Right. Cloud City. Exactly. Exactly. So suddenly there's history and context and I, I, I mean I, but my, my other favorite maybe my favorite line of the whole thing is uh is Hans exposition. About, is this about about yeah. about about Lando? Yeah, about Lando. I thought he thought, yeah, I maybe... guess he, thought he could make more money mining in the sky. <laughs> I I really liked giving that line. I really did. Yeah, that's that's probably the yeah. best line of the whole thing. Lando thought he could. Be... <laughs> By the way, uh, I did read the first three issues of um, the Lando comic. Oh yeah. Uh, at my at, at my brother's recommendation, it's really good. It was really good. It's basically Lando and Ro- and Lobot. Um, uh, so we get more Lobot, which is great. Is it kind of like a Wooster and Jeeves kind of pairing? <laughs> But it does give a lot of background into Lobot and who he is and why he is, and it's really it's. I recommend that too. Um, um, I got him on Coxology. There was a um, God, it's something else about that that 
the, this Empire parody that I was going to bring up. I can't remember what it was now. But Is that YouTubeable? You know, people keep asking me, can I put it on YouTube? I don't know. There's so much unauthorized music and everything in it but nah. so is it so is everything else yeah it's also kind of embarrassing <laughs> but also really beautiful at the same time you know what i i i, I actually think just... i actually think my special edition might have been a the same effect as a special edition i probably should have left well left well enough alone i think things needed to be cut out Rather yeah, than <laughs> added to it. To be perfectly honest, I think you're right too. Uh, what? Were, oh, that's what I was gonna say. When you said that those were jokes that we didn't, uh, it wasn't the type of joke that we usually did in there. It wasn't a pun. It wasn't anything. There, there's a there's a a joke I always really liked that I don't think anyone ever laughed at. <laughs> And it was, or maybe, maybe they did. I can't remember. It was, it was when, it was when our, our, our pizza delivery Yoda. No, 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 I'm sorry. It was when Yoda and Ben Kenobi shows up as a Domino's pizza delivery man. Yeah. And they're all, and so Obi-Wan. Just because the guy you cast him. Was a Domino's pizza. Yeah. It was like, you're right with what you joke. (laughs) And so, uh, so. Obi-Wan and, and uh, 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 Yoda and, and Luke are doing pretty much the straight dialogue of the movie with their mouths crammed with pizza as they're just eating pizza. Uh, Was I any different when you taught me? And they're just doing it back and forth. And then there's a scene where I think Luke has got, he's got two like half-eaten pieces of pizza in his hand. And uh, Yoda just goes, Will you finish what you start? And then Luke looks at me. He throws the pizza down and goes, "Yeah." <laughs> and I don't know why that always scratched me up. I don't know. It's just me laughing at that one. <laughs> that's you know. I mean, that could yeah. be like a yeah. top secret or yeah, exactly. That's that's a top yeah. secret gag. Of course, yeah. I will. <laughs> yeah, you should put that on YouTube. I should. But this is oh, so this leads me to another point I wanted to make. So this is this was I think one of the uh, uh, symptoms of why this was not a mainstream Star Wars movie. Why this was something else totally, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Rogue One. Getting back to Rogue One on Empire, <laughs> um, is that unlike every Star Wars movie I've watched since we made that parody is i wasn't paradizing rogue one in real time oh right yeah like it, it never happened for me like uh whereas uh like force awakens i totally did it like i totally yeah as yeah. i was watching it the first time i was playing in my head the carney brothers production <laughs> parody of uh of force awakens um but i never did that for rogue one Hmm. It didn't lend itself to it. It's I because did. it didn't have the same. Well, it's that space opera feel where everything is kind of heightened and uh, right. a little bit not stilted, but a little bit inflated or what's what's the right. word? I mean, operatic. It's, it's not. Uh, 
it's not trying to be grounded in yeah. any kind of reality. It's a heightened or, reality. It's a um, it's, yeah, very heightened, very um, you know, intentionally artificial and mm-hmm. uh, uh, theatrical um, in a way that Rogue One mm-hmm. wasn't trying to be. Right. So I guess maybe that's where the gritty is. Is that it? It was. It was. Uh, trying to be more right. grounded in like the kind of reality right. that it was bringing Which, you into. And that's, that's might be the reason why I um, was impressed with rogue one, because typically when people, when movies take a well-beloved fantasy series or like a, a heightened reality or whatever, and they're like, we're going to make this really and real. You realize the thing that you liked about it was that heightened reality. It was that thing that was, um, that was the opposite of what you are doing now. You know, you take that out, you kill it. And, uh, yeah, sure. There's, there's, yeah, it looks more like a cop movie or, or the dark Knight or whatever, but like you, you've lost something that you, that the thing you actually made it good, but rogue one did, did go that way. But I don't, th- I, I didn't feel like it lost, like it didn't fit. I I, I didn't sense that that um, that heightened reality gone. You know what I mean? Granted, yeah. it wasn't. I mean, there, there it, it were times when it came back. There, it wasn't a space opera, and I think, and I think, uh, and the more I think about it, the the more that K K two S O did play a part in that. In that he wasn't. Um, you know, at first I was as much, I, I love Alan Tudyk, so I wasn't going to sneer at him right off the bat, but it, it first kind of started happening. I was like, would a robot be this sarcastic? <laughs> but then I went, you know what? A robot, this one is, I'm going to go with it. And when yeah. I went with it, I realized, okay, here's some fun, but still in this more utilitarian world. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to let that be. And I think that really helped. Um, well, there was like some very heightened uh, anything involving uh, uh, our kung fu master, right? Who's one of the highlights of the movie? But I think oh, yeah. one of the highlights of the movie for me because he's reaching more towards the Star Wars saga kind of right experience, uh, and you know, and his uh, his big final scene where he takes his walk of faith and mm-hmm. uh, and pulls the the lever. Um, and then pays the ultimate price, gets shot down. Um, like that, that was very heightened, but then even more heightened, I think was, uh, his buddy's reaction, the heavy right. weapons guy, mm-hmm. Bays. Uh, I, the whole reason that, that this guy had to, the, 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 the blind guy had to make this walk of faith is cause they're all pinned down. If you even poke your head out, you're going to get mauled down by these death troopers, <laughs> who I guess are better. Well, it's like the it's yeah. like the repeater laser blaster. Like if these death troopers are better than regular stormtroopers. Why did why aren't there more death troopers? Why do they why do they right. discontinue that that notion? program? <laughs> um, right. Uh, and so the whole reason that uh, the, the the guy has to make his walk of faith is because they're pinned down in such a way that it's extremely dangerous to even attempt this. But as soon as he's blown up, they're like, "Okay, well, we'll stop shooting at you now." Yeah, and then have that whole conversation. Come on out, <laughs> come on out. 
right. rush at us, rush at the bo- dead body. Well, Take I- your time. Time out, everybody. We got him. I was really bothered. Break. I was really bothered by the fact that, yeah, they're completely pinned down. And, you know, Giroud gets shot. Baze runs out there and just has a completely out in the open four minute death scene. Yeah. And I'm like, uh. Where did everybody where, go? <laughs> what? And I think there was shooting in the background. But I'm like, why is no one targeting the guy who's just sitting there with his gun down? You know, the guy with the big tank on his yeah. back. Why yeah, or the, the Gatlin laser? Dangerous guy here. Right, yeah. left after the guy we just killed. So you're like, okay, well, what? Yeah, why are we not taking him out? Like it was those little things, you know. Like I, I those are the things that drive me crazy. Yeah, are the the decisions that undermine or undo the decision you had just made previously. Yes. You know? Yes. It's not even like, it's not even like, Oh, um, this is just, I don't even mind it when they don't go, Oh, well, a stormtrooper would certainly shoot that guy, you know, because, we, but they want to have this little moment. It's the thing of like, they couldn't have that moment earlier. That's why they were pinned down. Yeah. It's the right. thing that negates the whole thing. I mean, the, the right. That guy sacrificing himself is premised on the fact that it's a, it's too dangerous to even try to go out there. Right, exactly. And you're just, it's like I can't. Uh, it's and so. The, well, I guess it. <clears throat> I guess the force wasn't with them after all, because anybody could. Have <laughs> exactly, that was my thought. You know, he totally just C3PO 2 did it in the first movie. Just in the, That's they just kind of walked right out. Yo, that would be a great YouTube thing. You should do that scene and just have Anthony Daniels sound like going, "The fourth is with me." The fourth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with the force, the force with me. I am with the force, the force is with me. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. See that in the show notes. Maybe I'll make it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, whenever I hear something like that, I always hear my dad in my head. Every time there was a movie where a car had lost its brakes and the car was out of control, my dad would just yell put it in neutral <laughs> put it in neutral it's like when uh <laughs> characters are running away from trains and they'll always stay on the track you know prometheus like, it's not always a train but it's always yeah, it's, if they're running a, away from anything that's gonna obviously go in a straight line right. they won't just like step sideways three times they're always running at top speed in a straight line away from it that drives me crazy that wouldn't be so bad if they didn't take the time to look over the shoulder but they always do and they can see it's coming right yeah oh boy uh yeah it's that it's 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 that when it's something so logical that you lose like you know, I don't know. I, 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 I really am enjoying and I truly love the new Netflix Daredevil and Jessica Jones series. Um, and, but yet they all, and, and, and Luke Cage too, they all suffer from the fact that they're 13 episodes. They would, yes, they, they all need to be six episodes. I think eight, eight per eight would be perfect because around, around eight, the stories were wrapping themselves up. Yeah. They were like coming to a natural end. And then like, you know, spoiler alert for Jessica Jones. Skip over this five seconds. When when he when Killian escapes from the deprivation tank, I lost respect for all the characters. 
No, it's when they put him back in the deprivation oh, well. tank. <laughs> That's, That's when it's yeah. like this this it's, season is spinning its wheels. And 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 and, and like I I I I love Daredevil so much. I think Jessica Jones was actually probably a better series than Daredevil. At least Daredevil several too. But but that it was more Jessica Jones's um uh narrative faults for having to extend the 13 episodes were way more glaring. Yeah. And so uh and way more problematic. Um um, I I couldn't finish uh, Daredevil season two. I skipped it and went right onto Luke Cage. Do, let's because I I was not feeling it. It's pretty uneven. I think the middle of that series is really good. The stuff with the hand is not great. Um, the when they started handling the Punisher, I was really cagey about it. I was like, I don't think this is going well. But they really did. I, my biggest problem was it was they kept saying, <laughs> they kept saying, the cops goes, this guy who's killing all these mobsters, we've never seen anything. He had military training. Yeah, military. We've never seen anything like this before. And I'm like, he's a guy with a gun. Everything you've everything you've shown us and told us that the Punisher has done, not only have I seen it in other movies, pretty commonplace. I've seen it in this series already. <laughs> But Wayne, <laughs> he must have had military training. Do a search for everyone in New York who's had military training. Yeah. Until we track this, so that's how we'll track this guy down. Yeah, so you're exactly right. The, the the this the way the series tried to set up the mythos before, you're like, well, this is stupid. And then when they get into it, and then you realize, oh wait, no, they're creating the mythos now throughout the series. So what the fuck was that shit before? And so uh, you know. That was kind of mishandled, but um, I have to keep saying it over and over again because my Catherine and I will both roll our eyes at each other, and I'm like, "Yeah, these Marvel Netflix shows—they they take a lot of shortcuts. They just—you just, just got to accept <laughs> it. Like, they take some pretty lazy but, routes to, yeah. you know, like Jessica Jones wants to find Kilgrave, should do a, a YouTube search for strange occurrences last night." <laughs> And like the first hit, I'll be. I can't find out getting on stage and mesmerizing people. You know? Yeah, I can't. When I'm trying to find out of a police activity, I can't. I try to search police activity studio city 1 p.m. Now I can't get anything. <laughs> you know, so or earlier this morning I can't find anything. Just she can do strange occurrences. There's Killian, right? Killgrave. Like if you want to take down the 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 kingpin, it's called a blog. <laughs> Start a blog and then you'll get a million hits in your first night. <laughs> I know. And change the tide of the history of your it, city. You it know? does. It does take a lot of shortcuts. And uh, but uh, still, again, and this may be a common theme with me, but like Rogue One, I, I I still love it. I don't. I didn't care. I, I I did care, but it didn't. It doesn't deter me from liking. They do some really moving stuff with the Punisher later, and I was really trepidatious of them treating the Punisher the way they looked like they were starting to treat him. Um, I think Bernthal's great. And they do a, a, a they do so they, they have a, a really moving speech where the Punisher is giving some life advice. And we're like, that's pretty moving coming from the Punisher. <laughs> that actor is really great. Yeah. John Bernthal. He's yeah. He's probably the best cast. Well, the best casting of, of that role. 
Um, that should be a you watched it wrong. Better too. than Dolph Lundgren. I don't yeah, know. better than oh, Dolph man. Lundgren. I, I mean, know. Ray Stevenson is a great actor and seemed like a pretty good choice, but Bernthal was a much better one. Um, there's also a scene uh, in a prison that you should really, you should really see. I'm not going to blow it for you. Um, but yeah, but season two is it's, it's problematic, but still worth it, I think. It's a uh, Daredevil season two. I, I started calling it the standing sad. <laughs> it's uh, the uh, uh, walking yeah. slow sad. It's show. Yeah, exactly. Because it's just everybody standing or with their arms, like yeah. holding one arm with the other one and looking like they're yeah. about to cry or just like walking really slow for no reason. Yeah, that's true. Also, I really do think it hurts no place to- seeing that Daredevil costume the whole season. Because I I really thought the black everyone throughout the whole first season they keep saying your costume's no good and I'm like that black costume is great and I'm actually sad now that he's got the red one you know I think the red one looks cool except the whole his whole thing was cocking his head when he would hear something right yeah and then they put him in the red suit where he couldn't do that because right. yeah his neck is too stiff um, anyway. I do love the, uh, the 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 Netflix series. All of them have this r- strange affinity for old media. <laughs> it's true, you know, like newspapers, yeah. radio, like yeah. a Luke Cage. If if uh, or if on Jessica Jones, like her uh, friend has the radio show. Yeah, like if something gets mentioned in that radio show, everybody knows about it. You know, <laughs> it's true. Like, I love that. Uh, this yeah. kind of very very quaint notion of yeah just like everyone's like tuned in to there's this, like there's not culture around really dying media <laughs> there, there's not the if there's not niche venues that are multifaceted yeah 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 it's well, like harlem is a thriving place but there's only three places in harlem that matter you know <laughs> right <laughs> exactly I wish I, I wish I really enjoyed watching Luke Cage. Um, I, I really I enjoyed the show, uh, with the exception of Diamondback. Um, I enjoyed the performances. The music is amazing. I'm not the production the season, design. So don't spoil. Oh, okay. It. I'm enjoying this one. Oh, so. uh, but ultimately, I I I won't spoil it. But ultimately, I I I had to come to con- the confession. I had to confess to myself that I go, it's just not written very well. I, 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 it, something was bothering me the whole time. And I was just like, like, what's bothering me? What's bothering me about this show? And at the end of it, I had to go, yeah, they're just not well written. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, it, I can't. We shouldn't dig into this now. This, should, this could be its own episode. Is, yeah. Uh, the whole, all the Netflix, uh, Marvel shows. Yeah. Well, we can, we can also table it. We could also cut this and say, on a previous episode, we discussed this. Now we're, Nah, there's t- there's enough there's enough to dive into there's there's a lot yeah it's like hours and hours of uh of programming mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a lot of it's uh repetitious and <laughs> right uh, although you uh, can't uh, unnecessary but enjoyable <laughs> but enjoy so 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 what we're discussing in terms of rogue one um it's predominance yes. as a war movie versus the space opera uh, series that it belongs to. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't think it was a failure. No. I, I thought it I thought it was I mean I thought it was a good a decent movie. Mm-hmm. Um it's if I want that kind of experience, the Star Wars galaxy is not the place I'm inclined to go to. Mm-hmm. To have that experience. Um and so for me it just felt like a a not the fit. I don't think when to say it's a bad fit. I don't I don't think it's I don't have a problem with them making more movies like that, but um it's not the feeling I look for when I go to the Star Wars galaxy. Mm-hmm. If I'm looking for that feeling, I'm not gonna go to the Star Wars galaxy. I'd I'd probably want something mm-hmm. you know, I I have appreciate the whole tradition of like it's not even the tradition of a, a tradition of a sci-fi movie like uh, telling stories about our world in a way that you couldn't more directly, you know, like in a Rod Serling way. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's it didn't feel like a like a parable for anything or a metaphor for anything. It was just wow. about the Star Wars universe. It was just you about know? linking up that to that. That was really yeah, weird. and so you know. The, the moments I liked about it were the ones that were just like the most fun and heightened moments in it, like the, the Kung Fu sequence mm-hmm. or the Darth Vader sequence, not the Darth Vader pun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sequence. That was, uh, uh, one of the low moments in all of star Wars. I would love to hear, I would love well, to hear the, I would love to hear a cold reading of James Earl Jones in the booth going, I don't think you grasp the whole, do I really have to say this? bullshit? <laughs> Uh, I mean, really know, this is what we're going with yeah I, I i really uh i really uh, i mean i'm a fan of puns i know but but not from darth not vader, from vader. I mean, come on <laughs> it's just I not his style it's not his it's not his style maybe you know maybe it was maybe that's showing us how darth had to kind of figure out his style <laughs> he probably you know? left that room and then said note to self no more puns <laughs> right it did not like, go uh, over well right um, <laughs> or it just goes back out and like one of the red guards goes i thought it was funny <laughs> <laughs> you know like he goes in the hallway and he kills uh eight soldiers or ten soldiers and he's like uh you know i think uh I'll let the stormtroopers get this next one. <laughs> that was a that was a good workout. When we catch that Tanty four, I'm just gonna let the stormtroopers kill him all this time. Yeah. I gotta I gotta throw him some bones. No, I'm I'm pooped really. Yeah, I'll just come in and survey. At this point, I'm an inspector. Well, yeah. <laughs> maybe the whole berserk uh, warrior thing is not really for me anymore. I'm just gonna be like just to, you know work on the intimidation factor, right. but with uh, the puns, you know. <laughs> Should I do a riddle? No, maybe I won't. Uh, so that's me, and so uh, uh, and we didn't even get to. I wanted to get into the whole comparing uh, Jin Erso to to Ray, and how oh, Ray, right. you know, was criticized for being this Mary Sue, uh, like you know, like kind of author surrogate fantasy style character you would see in fan fiction where she can just do everything the but first lo- time but right like away. no other but it's that would be a valid argument if every other character in the universe couldn't do that as well right <laughs> i mean every right. other character could always do everything immediately anyway except apparently luke who had to train for quite a long time 
<laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, Luke destroys a Death Star on the first try. So, right, and, yeah. you know, Anakin flies a ship by literally saying, as a child, by literally saying the words, I know I'll push this and go left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 I thought Ray was a great character, and I thought uh, the Daisy Ridley was a very uh, appealing. Oh yeah, uh, performance. I only had issues with uh, a. She fixes the, the moment where she fixes the, uh, uh, the, the, the hyperdrive on the Millennium Falcon. Um, just the way that that line got delivered. I can't and even remember. End, she's like, I inverted the flux capacitor. I don't know what it was. You know. <laughs> Um, uh, I don't know. So like, uh, and then at the end where she gets to be captain of the Falcon, like Chewie should fucking get to be. Oh, the totally. Captain. Yeah, totally. Chewie, yeah. He's put in the years, you know. It's like, well, the person I had a life debt to is gone. I guess I'm finally gonna get. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it would be an honor for Ray to be his Chewie's co-pilot. Yeah. Exactly. That, you know, that would be a, a, a an awesome assignment for her is to be Chewie's co-pilot and let Chewie get to be the captain for crying out loud. Anyway, um, but then Jin, uh, uh, Urso, who's like kind of set up as this badass and in the trailer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I kind of was played up more because there was a line about how she was uh, rebellious. You know, right. I am a rebel after all, or something like that. Which I'm a rebel. Cut. I rebel. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and they cut that from the movie. But um, you know, like when they they spring her, and she's like, "No, I'm springing myself," and right, I'm not trusting you guys. Uh, but then in the in the final mission, she really has nothing to do. Yeah, it's true. Like, she doesn't even got- get to take out. She doesn't even get to take out the man who killed her father. No. The guy gets to do that. And it's like, I mean, she's, oh, she's okay. courageous, but like the only thing she brings to the mission is she recognizes the code name for her <laughs> for yeah. uh, for the plans. Um, and that's really all. Wait, she, was all it, she contributes? Was it Stardust or Starlight? Stardust. Right, which is. If you well, I guess he, the thing doesn't kill stars; it kills planets. But I got that was kind of obvious. Now that I think about it, but yeah, uh, which made me, uh, which had the uh, um, Woodstock song going through my head. Oh, we uh, stardust. I, I was thinking of the uh, um, uh, Charlie Cox, Claire Danes fantasy movie Stardust, <laughs> um, or the Willie Nelson album. Oh yeah, the Willie Nelson album. Dad's favorite. I love that album. That's a really great it's album. It's a great album. Um, but uh, I, I, so my take on on Rogue One in, in in the, I, I could debate the I could honestly debate the intent of trying to make a gritty, ugh, gritty war movie set in the Star Wars universe, uh, and dispensing with the heightened reality, uh. The space opera aspect, I could I could debate that as whether or not it's a good idea. I would probably argue against that it's not that it's not a good idea. But having seen the result, um, I I was not I was not bothered by it, and I I, I actually I, I did enjoy it. Um. Um. So. Uh. 
Well, I think if 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 future movies were intending to to which way they should go, I would definitely choose sticking with the other tone. But this the is saga a saga tone. The saga tone. Yeah. Saga tone. Um, but uh, uh, I would definitely you know, you know insist it with the saga tone. But this being what it was, I, I found it very I found it very watchable. Um, if, if I'm that... more interested, uh, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you. I'm sorry, okay. but you know, uh, following up on that, I'm more interested in seeing as they do these uh, Star Wars stories, and each of them having their own genre. Hmm. Yeah, if we start seeing this being Rather the one trick, than if they were all war movies, then I would think this would get really old. But like, if the Han and if uh, Chewie and Lando movie is like a road movie, or Ocean's Eleven heist movie, yeah, that's that would be great. Now that would be kind of cool. Like if it, then it's then it's like an anthology series, or it's like yeah. oh, let's just uh, try out different, try yeah. on a different outfit for every yeah. Star Wars story. You know? And your and your Boba Fett could be it seems like a natural fit for the Mad Max style movie. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, and like that. that's fine. Yeah, but if they all start doing this, yeah, that's gonna get old like the minute like i remember i remember seeing the royal tannenbaums is a great movie and there's much i point to that to that for several things of how of uh, uh, to, to uh, there's many things i point to that that's just brilliant but i remember when that movie first started i remember having this sinking feeling of uh, oh no this is uh, like wes anderson does this so well but then when that movie started, I was like, "Oh no, this is this is all he can do." <laughs> <laughs> like I was really excited to see this new voice on the on the scene, this new versatile filmmaker. And then I'm like, "Oh no, he's not. He just does this really well." <laughs> <laughs> I kind of had that feeling. So if I so if if if, if Han Solo start, does the same thing that Rogue One does, we'll be, uh, "Oh no, <laughs> it's already old." Um. So yeah. The fox oh. knows many tricks. The hedgehog knows one great trick. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, I mean, definitely, I, 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 this is, I'm much more happy with this than, than anything since Jedi, in my opinion. And um, um, so for the space battle, by the way, oh, sorry, I know it's really late where you are. Um. Where have I heard the term hammerhead Corvette before? Not from me. Because I feel like that term has exists in the Star Wars universe prior to to Rogue One. I've heard uh, it before. I, it seemed awfully convenient just to have one on hand. Yeah, I think uh, it's from a and book. That it would not be uh that it would not be a Mon Calamari ship. Because if I say <laughs> Mon, yeah. Mon Calamari Who's not Akbar? I forget. I never got his name. Uh, says you know, call in the Hammerhead Corvette. Corvette. I think well, that's going to be one of theirs. No, <laughs> you know, um, but instead it was. I don't know if we call them humans. Yeah, right. but uh, human like uh, pilot. I mean, it's basically like a, a Tantu right. four with a different head. Right. right. And so yeah, I'm, I have to ask my dad. My dad loves has read so many books from the uh 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 from the literary canon 
of Star Wars that um, I bet it's in there somewhere. But uh, as it was, it was uh, as much as I loved seeing those two Star Destroyers go down. It it was, it was almost a like that one sliced through the other one pretty easily. That was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome, but then I'm like going that. Yeah, I mean, and also, but then you're going, oh, the hammerhead quartet's going down with them because it does not escape. It's a yeah. sacrificial. It's a kamikaze, and it yeah. goes down with them. And so, uh, it's 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 not comfortable, but it was pretty awesome sight. But it was also like, ooh, that's that is a bit much. Just a little too clean. Didn't hit him that hard. <laughs> <laughs> but plus, okay, so this is where having a Star Wars war movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it hurts my brain because, well, it's on two levels. So on one, they show up. They show up to the battle. You know, it's already, they're already at the surface um, doing their infiltration. And now the fleet shows up and there's two Star Destroyers. Mm-hmm. And in every, you know, I don't know about the expanded universe, but in the other movies that we've seen, like the the Rebellion like they try to avoid star destroyers. Like yeah, they, star destroyer. Like if one star destroyer shows up, they piss their pants. You're, you're screwed, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, and there's two of them, and they don't even like bat an eye. And then we never. I don't think we even see a star destroyer sh- fire a shot the entire battle. <laughs> I don't think so. And then they're like sitting right next to each other. Like if you know, if I'm thinking like military tactics, I you know you would. Try yeah. to take those. You try to bring them broadside on either side, like yeah. contain the the rebellion, the the rebel fleet. Bring them. Bring your star destroyers broadsides, uh, like on angle, so you're firing in a crossfire. Right. And try to wipe them all out. Instead, they're sitting right next to each other. I'm like, okay, well, it's a Star Wars movie. I shouldn't think about the tactics too much. Oh wait, but it's a war movie, <laughs> so. <laughs> So they're right, supposed right. to be using tactics, right? Like I don't, I don't know what to, I don't know where my expectations are supposed to be in terms of, of the, you know, the realism of that. So. that. That is a good point. I mean, like also with the Battle of Scarif, it wasn't the. Um, I mean, there was there was a clear objective of get of of. There's the opening in the thing, but like with the, the shield with the right. shield, there's the opening yeah. in the shield. There's that was very clear. But above that, with keeping, keeping the uh, the the you know, you know containing your enemy up there, that was just all we didn't understand what was going on. The Death Star battle is very clear on every level, and even though Jedi is is kind of all over the place, there that seemed very clear. I don't remember being confused by anything in that. And um, uh, also, question. When they say, well, Lord Vader will clean up, will take care of the rest of these ships. Are we to understand that all of those rebel ships were destroyed after the blockade runner got away? Or do you think any of those ships survived? Well, we see a good number of them smashed right into the Star Destroyer. Right. So, I I don't know. I felt like we were left with the impression that they were all destroyed. Yeah, but that was like their whole fleet. They sent everybody out there. Right. Um. Yeah. Well, what does the opening crawl of uh, of New Hope say? Like they've just won their first victory, and mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, wouldn't that galvanize the whole movement and bring more 
star systems so. to join the the rebellion mm-hmm. um you know the fact that the i don't know yeah well right how 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 many X wings do they have left? Well, they only take like nine X wings and three <laughs> Y wings to destroy the star destroyer. So right. maybe that's why the, right. the fleet's so small. Right. Um, <laughs> at the Battle of Yavin. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think we've reached the end of this conversation. I think we have. That was a very natural just kind of lull that happened right there. <laughs> Yeah, it's like we're both like, oh, what else? Yeah, what more can be said? Um, so while well, we've discussed this for like two hours, uh, so at, after all that, uh, Wade, uh, do you feel like you watched it wrong? I, I don't feel like I watched it wrong. I feel like I question my, I question my ethics in how I watch things more but Ethics. i don't feel there's a there's a uh, like there's a moral component to well yeah because i've i've said for years about my thing against video game violence and blah 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 but um the, the inherent contradiction in putting in wartime movie in a like like we're going to do a a hard emotional gritty actual war battle in this space opera movie that's usually a fun romp and but we're gonna make it a fun romp. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's ethically dubious and the fact that I totally ate it up with a spoon <laughs> is ethically dubious on my part. So while I thinking a little more heavily about that and probably wouldn't make the same decision were I making a, a movie as such, um I, I still ate it up with a spoon. <laughs> So I, I, in that regard, I don't, I, I do not regret how I watched it. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I have no regrets. I mean, I don't, I still feel the same way about it. I think, um, I, 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 again, I, the second time I, I did not have a, a strong desire to see it uh, twice. And I, I, I don't feel like I would need to see that movie again. Um, I, I think I would rather watch force awakens again rather than, uh, hmm. Than Rogue One, uh, a third time, but uh, yeah, it was it was all right. It was okay. I mean, if they're gonna put out one of these every year, then I'm not gonna <laughs> we'll have, have enough to. time to watch them another exactly. time, right? Like I can't keep up with all the Marvel movies. So, uh, well, I I would certainly watch Rogue One again. Um, I'm not ch- I'm I'm not like it's not like Civil War where I was like I'm sad I don't own it. I'm sad I can't see that space battle again now but as far yeah. as the whole movie goes you know but I, I don't ever need to see force awakens again I, only if i'm curious if i would feel differently but i'm not even that curious uh, th- but i still it- take the space battles in uh in jedi uh or even maybe the first one i still think those are the best space battles true there's too much. There's not enough time. I didn't even get into how I think uh, Mark Hamill's acting gets a lot of uh, bad, gets a bad rap in the original trilogy, but when he's in the cockpit of the X-wing, yeah, he's he's the best actor as a pilot. I, I in any of the films wholeheartedly agree. 
his act and all of them on every every all of those scenes but uh and the and the death star battle in uh in the first movie uh i think his that's like his the height of his uh, uh performance um yeah he... and then uh have i've really been seeing empire through new eyes uh and this is really in light of carrie fisher's recent passing um uh now when i watch empire how the way Leia's depicted drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's that it's something we've criticized in other scripts we've read where um uh it's a depiction of like uh the strong feminist character is really not doing anything. She's just commenting on what the men do. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't do anything herself. Whereas, you know, in, in episode four she like grabs the gun and she's blasting, you know, and like making decisions. Oh my God, that's right. Uh, yeah, in Empire, she did doesn't really do very much. In Star Empire, Wars, she's very active. Yeah, in Star Wars, she's awesome. In Empire, she's just snarky the whole time. Right. And in fact, it's almost like she would rather they got caught just so she could prove to Han that wow. he was wrong. I never, I never even thought about that. That is, yeah. She's and then, obviously in a position of command on Hoth, but once they actually before they even leave Hoth, like Han makes all the decisions and and their rescue, you know he takes over. You're right. She helps fix a couple things, but even when uh, they're escaping, uh, the they're you know at, like in their greatest peril, um, and Han and uh, Chewie are both in the back trying desperately to fix the the hyperdrive. They're dodging all these TIE fighters, but then suddenly they hit an asteroid and she's like, Han, get up here. Right. You know, (laughs) you never even see her piloting the ship. She's obviously. Right. Dodging. We see Han dodging, doing all these maneuvers to dodge all the the TIE fighters. When she's the only one in the cockpit, she's obviously doing it too. But all we ever see her do is call for help. Yeah. I'm, 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 my mind is racing through the movie going, surely there's something that she does. I mean, takes to, to take a, an active role in her own path, but no. And then she, but I think she makes up for it almost double time in, in Jedi where she comes to rescue Han. She's, you know, she escapes, kills Jabba. She's leading a, a well, maybe not double, <laughs> but but it's it's well, more at the there. End of at the end of empire she uh you know we, we, she's the one who warns luke it's a trap she's the right. one who rescues luke um so yeah. she becomes active she like gets agency at the end right uh, but through the meat of the of empire it's like uh it's all she she's just there to comment on what mm-hmm. han's doing now one thing i actually uh feel i'd be remiss to point out as much as i don't really need to see force awakens again i really am glad of certain directions they're going in like I, i'm sorry i laugh because i'm hearing my, my my work colleague um in my head because i i i love i i really liked ray and i really liked finn i really thought they were strong characters that i really want to continue to follow yeah, um, very appealing. V- yes, very much so. Great chemistry between the performers. Yeah. And uh, uh, a, f- a friend of mine actually said that he-, he saw the movie several times in the theater, even though he didn't want to, because he goes to see movies with friends who want to see movies, and they just he just they just go. 
And he says, it wasn't until the third time in this movie I wasn't enjoying <laughs> that I noticed the scene where Reyes, you know, Finn lies to all the rebellion to say, I, I, I can go there and do this thing, which just go there. But he, and he completely lies so he can rescue Ray. Ray rescues herself. And then they meet in the hallway. And he goes, it wasn't until the third viewing that I realized how monumental that moment was. How like, this was a, a, a woman who no one her entire life had ever cared for. Like no one had ever done anything for her. And then here was a guy who came and basically risked thousands of people's lives. <laughs> Probably got many killed. Um, uh, uh, knowingly, um, and risked his own life to come back for her against odds that aren't very good. And then he was a guy who had been bred to never care about anybody. Like, like had been trained and bred and brought up to only think about what this one thing was, but not, not care about anything in front of him. And here he was risking his life and others to for this one person. And so it was like, he was like, that was a truly monumental thing. And the movie didn't seem to recognize it. (laughs) It only took until like the third movie to realize that that actually was, Hey, wait a second. Mm -hmm. This is like the biggest thing in both of their lives. That realization to, to, to hit both of them. Um, and so that's a big problem. I mean, granted, we don't want like a big, <laughs> you know, having previously not been able to uh, to come out, but you know, you know, we don't need a big ham-fisted thing, but just some some blink of recognition that this is this is important. Um, and and so anyway, I, I'm I'm really happy with Ray as a lead character. I'm really happy with not only as a character but also the actress as well. And I was really happy to see that that was being con- that that line of thinking was being continued in in Rogue One. And, I had a work colleague who I said, he, he overheard me saying, uh, well, this time I'm sure they'll probably have a, a Felicity Jones action figure for goddamn sure. <laughs> or Jen Erso is going to be in Rogue One Monopoly for crying out loud this time, I bet. And, uh, and he, he goes, what are you talking about? I go, Oh, this is the trailer for Rogue One. And I showed him the trailer for Rogue One. And I go, yeah, and, we're, and and he goes, he looks at me and goes, she's not going to have the Force too, is she? <laughs> and I'm like, w- w- what? what? Is, do you really have a problem with a woman having the Force? <laughs> what? Leia had it. That's enough. <laughs> Can't have all these women using the Force. <laughs> I mean, it really threw me. I, 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 I was starting to get really combative. And Leia uses it to like know two things. <laughs> <laughs> two things are known with the Force. Oh, boy! All right, we we already wrapped this episode up. Then we keep going. So. Yeah, our our uh, our connection's getting bad too for some reason. Okay, bring us home, Wade. All right. So, all right. So, okay. So we have one vote for liked it, but 
wish they hadn't done it. Other vote for liked it, but wish, but was fine with how they did it. <laughs> I think I got a new perspective on 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 how I feel about it, and, and uh, 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 but still, we remain we remain uh, steadfast in our original convictions. Thanks for joining us for You Watched It Wrong. Please send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is youwatchedittwrong at happypanic.net. You can contact us through our Facebook page, You Watched It Wrong, on Facebook. Uh, download other uh, episodes or opposites, episodes, on, uh, hosted on youwatchedittwrong.podbean.com or in hopefully in the directory of your favorite podcast management app. Uh, or on Twitter with the funny spelling, you, the letter U, watched it wrong, thanks to Twitter's uh, character limits. Spell it the way Prince would have. You watched it wrong on Twitter. And on each of those, we'll have polls up so you can say who you thought watched it more wrong between Sigmund, that's me, and Wade, that's him. Our next uh, On the next episode, episode two, We'll be uh, we will be discussing the movie La La Land, nominee for Best Picture of 2016, and quite a toe tapping time. We will have a toe tapping conversation next time for you to listen to. And if you're looking at the ravenous bug bladder beast of trawl without a towel over your face, you watched it wrong. <laughs>